Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, a place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good morning. And together, we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today, we are sitting down with Max Kane, the founder and owner of FarmMatch.com. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard us say, FarmMatch.com is your best place to get connected with a local farmer. No, it's not a dating website, although sometimes people are like, what is that? Um, And so we're excited to sit down with Max today and chat all things local food, getting connected to your farm, environment, all the topics that Joey and I love to cover. So welcome. I mean, it's kind of like a dating website, but just not for relationships. Yeah, I guess you could it's have for, It's for having producer, a, consumer it's for relationship. It's for nourishment. Sure, you're going to hook you up with some food. You're going to date your food. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> going another way already. Well, welcome to the show, Max. We're super excited. Yeah, thanks. What would that look like? You're, I mean, you'd be moving pretty fast with your food if, it, if, you, I mean, if you look at it. You would not way, be a monogamous. Like starting off with like a big French kiss or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would be going. Yeah, I'd be going. Yeah. Unless you're buying eggs. And there's like, that's weird, right? It's kind of abusive, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's, we don't need, anyways. anyways <laughs> welcome to the show, Max. Yeah, thanks uh, for okay. having me. Listen, Joey, thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, we're excited. So I want to, before we dive into some of these topics, like dating your food, um, let's hear, first of all, a little background on you, Max. I'd love to know kind of how you even got interested in this and then how you started this amazing platform called Farm Match. Sure. D- dating your food. That sounds like the name of a, a book that would sell a lot. Ooh. Uh, Maybe we'll make it the name of the podcast. <laughs> dating your food. So I, when I was, I grew up in Chicago. When I was about 10 years old, I was diagnosed with degenerative Crohn's disease. I started experiencing just horrific abdominal pain. Sometimes I would be clutched in the fetal position, just trying to deal with the pain, sometimes for three days on end, like, wow. if you can imagine that. And oh. at the time, my parents were getting divorced, and there were a lot of emotional stresses in my life. And so the doctors kind of wrote things off as this is just emotional stress from growing up in a hard life. And then eventually, a year later, they gave me a formal diagnosis at uh, Weiler's Children's Hospital on the south side of Chicago. And uh, with degenerative Crohn's disease, if people aren't aware of that condition, it's you're basically uh, not really good or efficient at digesting food. And so what that looks like in your life is a lot of food passes through the gut wall undigested. And it goes into different areas of the body and causes weird autoimmune reactions. So you get a lot of joint pain, abdominal pain. Um, it's hard for your body to use utilize fats properly. So a lot of people with degenerative Crohn's also have very dry skin. Mm. Uh, so you could, you know, you could be diagnosed with arthritis and psoriasis and a lot of other conditions and kind of all bundle them into one. But really, it comes from the digestion. So. Um, so at, at the time, the doctors uh, said, well, I, I weighed 69 pounds at the time, and it was just very thin and emaciated, and they put me on 60 milligrams of prednisone. It's a steroid, not the kind that builds muscle, um, but and, uh, sulfasalazine was an anti-inflammatory drug I took at the time. I think I was on 2,000 milligrams of that every day. There was, I think there was like four four tablets, I think they're 500 milligrams each, really big, you know. And so that that um, that went on for um, probably probably about a year or two. And 
And as I was growing, the, the new latest and greatest anti-inflammatory drug would come out. So they like would taper me off the sulfasalazine and get me on Pentaza and Asacol. And so it, if you can imagine from the age of about 10 to the age of 20, it was um, trying these new remedies because nothing really worked, right? There was no like, they said, we don't know what the cause is. We don't know what the cure is, but this is an incurable condition. And it's something you're going to have for the rest of your life. And your life is going to be compromised in a way, and you're not going to be able to function like an, a normal average person. So I, um, I went through about 10 years of the paradigm that nothing can be done other than we can treat this with medication. I was put on permanent federal disability with the federal government, and I received a, a check once a month, a disability check, and you know, all my medical bills were covered. Um, in my early 20s, I had someone very important to me in my life, someone I loved deeply, um, a very close relationship. And this person was, uh, they were a committed heroin user. I don't like to use the word addict because I think it's uh, disempowering to the person. So they were, they were really committed to using heroin and they were totally destroying their life. And I saw what you know, what was happening in their life. And, you know, I would go to them and say like, hey, well, like, what are you doing? You look at all these uh, terrible outcomes that are resulting from your decisions. And I was, I was, and, and they would come back with, you don't understand, I'm addicted, I can't stop. And I was like, dude, don't give me that BS. You, you're like, you're getting something out of this. You, there's something about this that you like. So like, be real with that, you know, and see if you can somehow make some choices and meet those needs in your life through different kinds of behavior instead of using the drug. And it, it turned out down the road, he finally admitted that he was using the heroin to avoid pain, right? He was using, he had a different emotional pains and things. But anyway, so I'm driving through the the drive the Walgreens drive through in Brookfield, Illinois, right? And and I'm going to get my prescription filled, right? And and I, I had this like aha moment, this like man in the mirror moment, this moment where all of my, you know, all of my preaching, all of my advice, like just came right back to me in the blink of an eye. Like I, I started hearing these sound bites in my head when I was telling this person how, what they could do to change their life, how they can be proactive, how they can take responsibility. And I, I realized that Walgreens was like my drug dealer. Right. And I, I was like the drug, the drug addict or committed drug user. And I wasn't taking responsibility for my health at all. I was going to another person, in this case, the doctors, right? And I was saying like, hey, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? And I never really asked the question, what can I do for myself? How, you know, like they're telling me all, all we have is medication. There's no cure. And so, and I'm accepting that, right? Mm -hmm. And I never asked, well, like if they can't invent a cure, like why don't I? Like why, like who should be more, who should be more, um, motivated, incentivized for my health success than me? Like why, why should a doctor care if I'm healthy or not? Like, dude, he wants to, um, have a loving relationship with his wife, maybe make children and kick back on the beach and enjoy the waves and bask in the sunset. I mean, that's what I want to do. Right. So why, why, like, why should I deprive him of that and let his mission in life be taking care of my problem why don't i make that my mission so all this like you know i'm giving you this over the course of three minutes but all this like in a blink of an eye just like popped in my head instantly i don't even know 
how to explain it other than that. So anyway, mm-hmm. I made a commitment right there and then I said, dude, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to take, because I believed in the advice I was giving. I just never applied it to myself, right? And I, so, so I like no way to like rationalize and argue with it in my head and say, no, no, this won't work for me. I was like unconditionally convinced this is going to work for me because I, I just believe in that advice, right? I believe in taking responsibility. So I started reading books and attending workshops and going to lectures on what you can do for self-care. What does it look like to take responsibility for your health? What behaviors do you need to do? What behaviors do you need to avoid? What does your lifestyle look like? And anyone who um, like looks at their health in that way comes to, you know, there's, there's so much that's been published on it. You know, you, you easily come to the conclusion that, you know, like what you eat is important, sleeping is important, mm-hmm. exercise, avoiding pollution and toxicity, you know, all these things are just like, oh, you could call them like foundations to building good health, right? And for me, food was one of the key foundations I was interested in because in my particular situation, every time I would eat a meal, I experienced terrible abdominal pain, right? And so um, through, uh, through uh, you know, like years of study and reading books and um, changing my lifestyle, I developed a philosophy on health. And I got, so I ended up, um, I think it took about, I think it took about 18 months for me really to get to the point where I was, uh, I felt I was in control. I mean, I, I dove right in on making changes. Like I, I stopped all the medication cold turkey, right? Wow against the advice of the doctors. I was just like, you can't do this. You don't understand. It's dangerous. And I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, whatever, you know? And so I just started making some like really, um, uh, paramount change, like just huge changes in my life. I was willing to kind of revamp everything. Almost if you can imagine taking your whole life and throwing it in the garbage, Mm -hmm. I want to like, I want a whole new life. You know, what were some of the things you were implementing like right away? Right away, I started uh, I started eating raw food direct from farms, particularly raw dairy products, uh, raw goat kefir, or it's actually pronounced kefir. Kefir is the American pronunciation. Um, so that... Okay, thank you, because I've always been wondering, because I say kefir, but then I'm like, am I being like weird? But then I say kefir, because I hear other... So it's kefir. kefir. I called it kefir the other day. And, yeah. And... And every time it comes off the lip, it feels, it feels like I'm, wrong. Yeah, it does. It's kefir. Yeah. So, uh, so I, so I'm, I'm like changing my diet. That's one of the main uh, changes I made. And then I, I moved out of Chicago up to Wisconsin. Uh, so I'm in a cleaner, fresher environment. And and if for anyone that lives in a big city, you can achieve really good health in a big city, you know. But you're swimming a little bit upstream because there's more pollution in big cities, right? So if you can imagine all the different things that could be working for your health and working against your health, pollution is one of those things that works against your health. Not that you can't achieve good health in a big city, but there are just more things working against you. And and I just was like, dude, I'm ready to win like the gold medal for best health in the world, right? Whatever it takes. So So being willing to like leave my friends behind that had unhealthy habits, you know, drinking alcohol, staying up late, like all that stuff, like... I don't need to associate with you people. We don't have anything in common, you know, um, in, in, in moving and just, just like major, major shifts like that. Believe it or not, most people, when you ask them to eat differently, I mean, they're, 
they think that that alone, just that one thing, it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, like, <laughs> give it a try sometime. Like, hey, we revamp your diet and eat this way. And people were like, I mean, there's a lot of defensiveness and hesitation. Ironically, my friend Brian's wife says, everyone's got a religion, it's their diet, you know? Mm. So, um, so if you want to know what a person's religion is, go look in the refrigerator and it'll tell you a lot about their beliefs of the world. I think there's something about asking somebody to change what they eat. And, I, and, and I've experienced this, right? Because Elizabeth kind of helped bring me along to where we are today. And I'd say I was very willing but there was definitely a few things where I was like, okay, like raw milk. Like, why is it called raw? Like, it, like, it was like, it, it felt gross at first, <laughs> which is, which is ridiculous if you really think about it, because it's only called raw because we cook other milk. Yeah. It's, it's insanity. It's, it's yeah, really, really, it should just be called milk. And the, the other stuff should be called like burnt milk or cooked milk exactly. or something like that. It's, processed, it, processed milk. Yeah, Let's yeah, just call it what it is. Milk. It's so true, and and if you look, I mean, it, it, we we made the comparison on, a, on another episode where we said, you go into a grocery store and you buy orange juice, and it's it's pasteurized. So does that mean that we're buying raw oranges right. off the table? It's like, so is this a raw orange? And it's it's hilarious if you think about it, but that's the exact comparison to milking a cow and saying this is currently raw milk. Right. No one would have any issue eating an orange because it's also sold in liquid form, pasteurized, it's they wouldn't crazy. be like, oh, I can't eat the raw version. It's just, anyways. Yeah, 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 I, yeah the, totally. <laughs> what I was... There, there's like, a lot. That's like a whole nother, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go down that way, no, what I, I guess, but the there's... A, what I was going to say is there's people feel personally attacked there's, if, you, if you ask them to change their diet because you're like essentially telling them that they're wrong, mm. right? You're saying, hey, you've been doing something and you've been incorrect or irresponsible or like, I think that's, I think that's the initial gut feeling. And th there's, th there's this feeling of like, of pride that we have of, I have it figured out. I've collected information. I've been making the right decisions. And if you say, Hey, you know, you should, you should look into this. They're like, no. Yeah. No. I do. I think, Joy, I think there's so much truth in what you just said. Uh, I also think a lot of it has to do with people fear change. Mm. We're, we live in a very fear. I mean, there's fear hitting you left and right. And I think people fear change. And so that I think, I mean, there's a, a few, few different reasons of why. Um, and people, just, especially, if, especially if you're saying, hey, drink some raw milk, because people fe fear bacteria as well. Mm -hmm. That's another big, oh, I'll get sick from that. You know, the authority figures told me so. Um, studies have confirmed, you know, leading experts agree, you know, all these different, you know, it gets to the point where we can't even think for ourselves anymore, which is silly because... You know, in the United States, in our country, we're supposed to uh, have this level of maturity where we can sit on a jury, convict someone to death, you know, all, like all these things. You can run to be the president. You can, you know what I mean? You can make a decision when it's okay to drink alcohol and when it's not. I mean, you have all these different, like, very high-risk abilities. Uh, you have, you, you're, you're like, it's considered that you have the judgment to just to weigh all these very high risk situations right but but when it comes to food like you, you're a complete idiot like we're gonna figure this out for you and you mm. like you don't don't try and wrap your mind around this it's like way too deep for you you know and that's so good yeah I've, i i love that i've never heard those two things compared side by side but you're so right yeah, you can go out and buy cigarettes yeah 
at 18. Yeah. But you can't you can't make decisions around can't get your like, mom your, your health, your nutrition. Yeah, and you can make decisions around alcohol. You can sit on a jury and make decisions around whether or not a murder took place or not, whether someone's guilt or innocent. You know, you can you can if 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 you can convince people to elect you, you can make decisions for the greater populace through the electoral process of government. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you dude, you can walk around with a gun. How about that? Yeah. You know, so um, so the, the whole foundation of our country from a constitutional standpoint, I love political philosophy, by the way, um, is that the, the the adults, you know, we're supposed to be able to have a certain level be it, it's um, we're given like a certain level of authority or it's like the belief is that we we can govern ourselves, we can manage ourselves, we can figure it out and that we don't need other people really telling us how to make decisions for our lives uh, mm-hmm. to a certain degree, right? Obviously, there, we do have some laws that say, you, you know, you shouldn't be able to do this and you shouldn't be able to do that. They're all based on moral premise, you know, like robbing, you know, you can't just go steal someone's stuff and rob them, right? Robbery, you can't rob. Good law, right? Um, however, like some of the laws now, a lot of them are passed just for financial reasons. You know, this is good for business. It doesn't mean it, it's good for society. You know, business is all, isn't always good for society. You know, making money isn't, you know, I, for, I forget her name. There's some artist, I think, from Switzerland. She wrote this song, You, you Can't Eat Money. Mm. Um, but so so getting back to, um, I, I had this, I had this, like, you know, this uh, man in the mirror moment. And then. Um, and, and then I, I just kind of went all in on changing my lifestyle. And, 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 and so, and a part of that, how farm match was born is I started going to these farms and eating food fresh from the farm. My health totally turned around. I was able to stop taking all medications. I voluntarily, I'm the first person in us history, maybe the only person, I don't know who voluntarily removed themselves from uh, permanent federal disability. It was a hard procedure to get that done. Like I called the disability office. I said, stop sending checks. I don't need the money anymore. And they're on the phone saying, what? <laughs> like, are you okay? Usually every phone call they get is like, oh man, I hurt so bad. Can you put me on disability? You know, And I'm like the opposite of that. They need to know what to do with it, right? And That's so, so I said, yeah, well, I, I want to stop this. Like, give me the form, send me the form to fill out. And they're, they're saying like, dude, there, there is no form for that. Like you can't, you're on, you're just on forever. And I said, well, uh, well, I, there's a way to do it. So anyway, I had to like go up, go up. You, you once you get to like the, the highest supervisor, um, then, you know, I had to like put in some custom written documentation and, you know, have it all like officially notarized and certain, you know, and things like that and send it in. I eventually found a way to get myself removed from it. Um, and I think that was, I don't remember the year. I don't know. I've been, I've been, so this is about a, a 20, 20 year um, span of my life from, from then to now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, and, you know, I put on, I don't even know, how, 50 or 60 or 70 pounds of healthy athletic weight. Uh, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm not an Olympic athlete, but definitely far above the, um, you know, the average of what's considered healthy, which, which by the way, uh, we have a very low standard for what's considered healthy in, in the United States in the year of 2023. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's just like we don't have a very high standard of what our body should be capable of and how it should function. 
Um, and so, uh, so I started a buying club um, because I, I started getting milk for myself and all these fresh farm foods for myself. And then other people in my area saw my health, you know, uh, changing in a positive way. And they're like, hey, can we get some of that food? And I said, yeah, sure. So I started this buying club and I needed a, a technology, like some technology to help automate things. And then in my like self-education course, because you don't learn this stuff in public school, which is where I went. Um, in my um, in my self-education course, I started traveling to farms around the country and trading my time working on the farm, learning from farmers to get like a whole new education of what people used to know, you know, hundreds of years ago, because you grew up that way, right? There was no mm-hmm. um, formal schooling that said, you know, this is what's important to learn. Like, you know, hundreds of years ago, you would, what are you going to learn? What, you're, what you need to survive, right? So I, I learned to raise food. I became an, an expert in small regenerative agriculture. At the time, they didn't call it regenerative agriculture, but that's what it was. And uh, and then I saw that there was other farms and buying clubs that needed the same kind of technological software solution as I needed to run my buying club. club. And that, that's kind of how FarmMatch was formed in a nutshell. That's so cool. I, I love that you started the first food that you ate on your healing journey was raw goat's kefir. Yeah. Because people are often like, oh, dairy is so inflammatory. It's like the opposite of healing. Oh. You went for, you went for, well, first of all, it's raw. Second of all, it's fermented because you're talking about kefir. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you weren't drinking the straight milk. Did you ever try the milk on its own in the beginning? I, I did. I did. But um, I learned about, as I was looking into health and, you know, I, I and, and, there's a total argument on what to eat and what not to eat, what we should be eating, or, or the vegetarians say we shouldn't be eating meat. I mean, it's like, what is what is food? Like, you can debate that forever, right? Um, and it doesn't matter what, uh, if you believe in creation or Big Bang or whatever your uh, faith is, if you have a faith or not, the one substance on the planet, the one substance on the planet that is irrefutably, you can't argue, you can't, that that was intended to be food there's one substance on the planet that was intended to be food that no one can argue about regardless of their faith and that's milk all right milk baby's born milk is produced milk is intended to be food yeah we're mammals people yeah yeah. and even non even non-mammals when they have the opportunity they drink milk Mm -hmm. birds lap it you know they'll chickens you know so so i studied this culture of people that lived in Georgia in, you know, over not, not the state of Georgia, but, <laughs> you know, Europe and Asia. And, uh, and, uh, there's a, there's a, a culture of people there that drank kefir, this substance kefir that, uh, was a fermented dairy beverage. And they were, uh, they lived near the Caucasus mountains and they were called centurions, meaning they all lived into their hundreds. Right. Mm. So I'm like, dude, well, if I want their results, I got to be doing what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I started researching kefir. And it, as it turned out, um, Genghis Khan, the Mongolian warrior, him and his uh, team who kind of conquered, you know, so much, so much. Most people don't know. I think Genghis Khan is, I think, the uh, wealth, second wealthiest person in recorded history, by the way. Um, but, you know, you can't just go kick everyone's butt and take their land unless you have a certain like amount of uh, physical health right so so all this conquering he did one of the main beverages that his army ate was 
uh, fermented mare milk. Like they're making, you know, kefir out of mare milk. They're fermenting it. So I, I kind of knew that, you know, as I was reading different books and going to workshops, you know, people with compromised digestion, if you can pre-digest the food, whatever it is, uh, it's supposed to be easier to digest. So milk being the food of intention, um, it being easier if it's pre-digested in some way, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's kind of start with that. And there, there was a lot of books I read and people kind of advocating for raw uh, goat kefir. So, uh, you know, it was something that made sense to me in a lot of ways. And so that was, uh, that was kind of the first food. I love that. So, um, Crohn's disease, or is, is that what we, is that what it's called? Yeah. C-R-O-H-N apostrophe S named after Dr. Crohn's, right? Okay. So, like all these disease labels, the, the actual label, of the disease is totally meaningless. Yeah. I mean, the symptoms that you're experiencing is all that really matters because you can call it, you can call arthritis, I'll call it ABC disease or whatever, right? It's yeah. the same, you know, like uh, it's the same condition. So one actually labeling diseases is, is in a lot of ways, it's really destructive and misleading and not misleading, but it's like it, it redirects your focus mm-hmm. on what you should be thinking about. Like if you're sick and you want to heal, Dude, just talk about your symptoms. Like I'm experiencing this and this and this, and don't don't like put those together and bundle them and now call them something. Yeah. Because that really doesn't get you anywhere. And in addition to not getting you anywhere, it actually takes your focus off the actual symptoms, which is what you need to be focused on. Um, if you if you want to heal, you really need to be focused on like just black and white. What are my symptoms? I got joint pain. Uh, rectal bleeding, dry, uh, whatever you like, list them all, right? And, yeah. and, and then say, look, how do I make this go away? And not worry about taking this cluster of symptom, symptoms and then putting a name on them from some guy that wants to be famous or whatever. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> that, be that as it may, you were diagnosed with, with this, yeah. correct? Yeah. And uh, I guess the question is, um, is, is this something that typically people... Um, I don't know, come out of. I think you had said it was uh, a forever uh, yeah. thing, and and I'm I'm just curious about kind of where you are today. If you were to go into a doctor today and say, "Hey, this was a diagnosis," would they say? I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, if I went into a doctor today, they would probably scope me and not diagnose me and say you're fine, right? But mm. uh, but because I experienced this before, they'll say, "Oh, well, you're just in remission." Like, you know, yeah, I have, I have really good life insurance in order to get the life insurance. I had to go through some medical procedures and then, you know, check me out and make sure I'm okay and not going to die. And so my guess is that's what, that's what doctors would say, you know, and, you know, some of them might have different opinions, you know, the, I, you know, I don't know. I like to take in people's individuals, you know, so mm-hmm. some doctors may say that some doctors might not say that, but. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm really happy with my health and I, and I can experience life in a way that I would never have been able to experience life if, if I was sick. Mm. You know, there's just things I can do. I can play with my children. I can hike the Grand Canyon. You know, when, you, when you're sick and you're physically and you lose your physical ability to move and all these different things, you... you, you um, and, and, and as much as we try, as much as we try to, um, 
you know, for, I don't know, someone loses their legs in a car accident or something like that. As much as we try to accommodate and help people by building handicap accessible ramps and things like that, there's just certain things in life when you lose your physical ability through uh, disease or disability or whatever it is, when you lose that, you, you can't experience life in the exact same way. I mean, I think, I think if we pulled all of humanity for anyone that it has a disease, right? Or, or maybe they're, they're, you know, or they have some kind of maybe a disability they're born with. And you ask them, dude, if we could snap your fingers and if you could put a, a button, push a button that says yes or no, continue with my health challenge or make it go away instantly, dude, who wouldn't push the yes button? Mm -hmm. Like who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be piloting a body that just is in phenomenal health that can do all these things in life so we can experience the world experience life and make memorable experiences with our loved ones which you can do regardless of your physical ability you can always make memorable experiences with your loved ones but it just mm -hmm. opens up when you have physical ability it opens up the different activities that you can participate in right yeah. because um so so for me, I want I want a fulfilling life. I want to be able to, um, like my my oldest daughter, right? She was uh, I was bringing her to the park one day, and she I don't know, how old was she at the time? Maybe two years old or something like that. And we're coming home, and it's over a mile, and she wants me to carry her all the way home, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to do that for her, you know. And I don't have a sling, and I didn't have a stroller. And so that takes a certain amount of physical ability. And so if I if I'm not taking care of my body and taking and just doing the best I can, and and I can't serve other people, whether that's my children, my family, or even the lady who needs help across the street, the old lady, right? So uh, for me, I think you know not not just taking care of myself. Um, for, for, for selfish reasons, but also for selfless reasons. So I can serve yeah. others as well. It's kind of like a mission. It's really important to me. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to like three things you just said. I'm just like, uh, they're amazing. One, this whole concept of focusing on your symptoms. And I almost feel like the diagnosis, it gives it, it like gives it a power over you. It does. Like, I have this thing. I am this thing. I am X, Y, Z, right? And if you can separate yourself, kind of how you did that with the addict versus committed drug user, just like language twist. Yeah. Separate yourself from having. Or making, untwist. Yeah, whatever. But like, <laughs> I, I, I love that like um, separation and empowerment back on the person. Yeah. And the other piece I love about what you're saying is something Joey and I were just talking about is like your physical health is one of the assets I look around and I see almost everyone just completely ignoring to some degree, or at least not respecting it to the level that it should be respected. Like for me, I wake up every day, I go to, I go to bed and I'm like, all right, I did this, this, and this to make sure that like, I'm going to be my highest performing self tomorrow. So that when I take my kids to the park or when we go on vacation and my kid needs carried, I gave that exact same um, example the other day talking to Joey, like, why am I rucking or why am I walking or why do I want to be fit? It's like, well, if one of our kids needs me to carry them for three miles, like I want to be able to say like, yes, I can do that Right. for no other reason. I want to just be able to say, yes, I can do that. 
And I just think it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Like the simple things, we're not even talking about like being Joe and running a marathon. Like that's like for the one percenters of the population, but for the 99% of us who just need a reason to focus on our health and our well-being and health as your asset, yeah. physical health, mental health is also tied in there, but physical health, it's like, dude, can you carry your kids for two miles? Like, let that be your motivation. Yeah. It's so simple. Absolutely. And I think, I think being sick in a lot of ways, being sick is, is, is irresponsible. Mm. Not, not in all situations, but probably in most situations. Cause if you look at a, the lifestyle that causes health, health is a lifestyle. If you look yeah. at the lifestyle that causes sickness, it's filled with all these selfish activities. It, wow. It's all these gratifying me, 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 me. I, I want taste, price, convenience, like food is mm-hmm. a new accepted uh, crack, you know, just, uh, you know, gratification. And I, I had like, th- there's an uncle, right? And his nieces and nephews are saying, you know, hey, let's go for a walk. And he can't, he can't walk with them because he isn't taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. He has every opportunity. And maybe this isn't... Um, with every country across the board, but I, I, I know in the United States, there's a lot of opportunity, right? There's the opportunity to take care of yourself. And so here's a guy who's got every opportunity to take care of himself and, um, and, and be in shape so he can be there for his nieces and nephews, right? Cause when we're in a relationship, Hey, I want to do what I want to do. And the other person's saying, well, I want to do what I want to do. So what's a healthy relationship, right? You, some of the time you spend doing what the one person wants to do, and some of the time you spend doing what the other person wants to do. Well, what happens when the relationship is like, dude, we're going to spend doing what I want to do. Now it's your turn. To, then we're going to hang out, do whatever you want to do. But I, I can't be there for you because like, I'm all screwed up physically. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not my fault. Actually, it, most times it probably is your fault. you know, mm-hmm. And so... But we're, you know, the, I, the, the lobby, the pharmaceutical lobby is the biggest lobby in the United States. I think pharmaceutical lobby, like, is three times bigger than the next biggest lobby. And anyway, so we're getting all this messaging. Um, billions and billions of dollars goes into messaging. And we're creatures of mimic. We are creatures of mimic. And it never goes away, ever. So when we're born into the world, we look and see things. We learn to walk by watching other people walk, and then we mimic that behavior. So this is how we learn, is by looking at things and mimicking. We're creatures of mimic. It's it's how we're designed. Can't take it out. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't change that out. I don't identify as a creature that mimics. You are, and yeah, nothing yeah. really you can do about it, right? So anyway... Advertisers know this, right? And so that's why they spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year on putting images in front of you so you can see that and hear that and say, oh, I want to start mimicking it, right? Even if this is something destructive, like even if you know, if you absolutely know cigarettes are bad for you, you put that advertisement in the person's head enough times in front of them, eventually they're going to say, you know what? Heck, why don't I just try one? And before you know it, it's going to lead, you know. So, um, so this is why this why I I believe this is why we're in the state of health we are because we have we have messaging hitting us thousands and thousands of times a day, telling us not to be responsible for our health, 
telling us if we have a, a health problem that a pill is the answer, that we should never be experiencing pain no matter what. It's like, you know, unholy, you know, the unorthodox, like, don't you, like experiencing pain is bad. Actually, experiencing pain is good. It's a really good motivator to make change yeah. in one's life. So I think that's why we're in the state we're in is because a lot of the marketing and advertising of of the lifestyle is just being you know, put in front of these creatures that are creatures of mimic, which is what, totally. you know what people are. And it's it's like you said, it's a selfish lifestyle. It's one that that is promoting comfort. It's promoting um, uh, convenience. It's, con- it's it's promoting you know bacon that takes thirty seconds. That yeah. is, you know it's in not real bacon, right? Like it's we're, we're talking about things that that um, we're, we're almost telling people that hey, if you're having to make yourself breakfast in the morning, um, or or if you're having to deal with the inconvenience of finding a local farm that's going to give you the right things um man you're just like behind the times and and you're suffering because it's so much easier we to, can get food from the grocery well, store we don't even have to cook it anymore well, I mean, yeah. it's like we have a drone drop it off at your door yeah and, and you know you should, you should just roll over there and get and, and scoop it up and and and, and roll back it's like it's it's insanity and this is the thing like because I, I think when people hear you say chronic, because I think you mean chronic illness, right? Like acute illness is like actually sometimes helpful for our bodies and whatever. Like everyone's going to experience that. But sitting in chronic illness, you called it borderline irresponsible. And I think some people, first of all, are going to get really like, whoa, Max, that's intense. <laughs> but I'm looking at you right now. And you're a man who was on federal disability lifelong. You had de- degenerative, is that the worst? Degenerative Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease, yeah. yes. And, and and you're like, listen, I was that guy. You're not sitting here born with pristine health, looking at all these other people wa- wagging your finger, saying if you suffer with symptoms, um, you're a jerk. Like, that's not what you're saying. You're saying, listen, I was in this position, this posture of, on one hand, I was trying to encourage a guy to not lean into his drugs. But then on the other hand, I was doing the same thing. And I was in this position of... I wasn't taking responsibility for my health mm-hmm. and the opposite of responsibility is irresponsibility. So as harsh as that statement seemed when you first said it, I was like, whoa, there's something to that because here's a guy who's walked through this mm-hmm. and seen light at the end of the tunnel. And now you're like building amazing platforms for other people to do this too. And I just think like we can't, we can't, even in that statement, we can't be like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Turn off the podcast. We're yeah. done with Max. Like, <laughs> that's another great example of like, no, like you, let's process that. Process that for what that means for you. Because I think, and the other piece of this too is like, the problem is that patients in that patient-doctor relationship are told you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're just automatically like, yes, I want to suffer and I want to be tied to this bottle of pills. No one thinks that. But there's this language and this discourse in the medical community that like the patient, first of all, doesn't know anything, can't do your own research. If you try that, you're going to find something wacky. Yeah. But also you have no power. You have no ability to change. And if anyone is a walking example of that, it's you, Max. And so it's like, you're just trying to stand here and say, listen, that's not the correct narrative. That's not the only narrative. And really challenge people mm-hmm. to sit with this idea that you can choose 
a different path when you're faced with chronic illness. And I know so many people who are faced with chronic illness. It's so hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's not even like, it's not even like the, the doctor, like a lot of the doctors are stuck in the system. It, yeah. It's really the paradigm of the system. The, the doctors, you know, they get their medical license and they have to practice within the system, right? Yeah, and the true. system kind of gives them the rules and regulations. Granted, they have the choice to say, I don't want to be a doctor anymore, you know, but it, it's, it's this system uh, of philosophy that is just marketed and, and a, lot, a lot of the, the, I mean, the word patient, think about that word. How come they're not called clients? Mm. How come they're not called customers? So like that, yeah. even that word patient, like, like dumbs you down somehow into this, like the doctor is just like sitting at the right hand of God. I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I should probably shouldn't even be making eye contact, yet, doctor. <laughs> you know, and you know, and it's, so it's just this paradigm where like, it, it's just, it's crazy. It, there's all these, like, I mean, you can like debate it. People can debate it all they want, but here's the truth, right? We're we're given we're we're given the benefit of the doubt that we're smart enough to sit on juries, and 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 right. But when it comes to the food you eat, when it comes to trying to figure out your health, this is way too above you, you know. And I'm not talking about like performing some kind of emergency surgery on yourself. You get in a bad car accident and you need to like reconnect your arm, like. Dude, the doctors are great mechanics. My aunt, my friend Abby, she says the doctors are great mechanics, right? They, mm -hmm. they are. But when it comes to like long-term chronic conditions, that the philosophy of the medical profession and, and probably even the modern world in general is, you know, there's nothing you could do about it. Uh, suppress the symptom. Don't look at the cause. And, you know, hopefully that will continue to change as people kind of wise up. But that's where the culture is right now. But cultures can change. You know, I mean, maybe in 50 years or 100 years or 200 years, they're going to be looking back at this time like we look back at people thought the world were flat, you know, and they kind of like, how did they ever, you know, how did those people ever think that, you know, like a pill was the solution? And, you know, and, you, you know, you read about these different cultures. They may look back at, I mean, if, if our species is still alive. I mean, there's always that, like, possibility we won't be, but you know it's so true there's always this feeling of right now we have it figured out mm -hmm. oh yeah it's, yeah it's, everyone has thought <laughs> we that, always right? got it figured out right now yeah everyone had it figured out and did you do you know that um all i think it was in the 1950 whenever it was at some point all bacteria was bad right now yeah. we have good bacteria and bad bacteria at, at some point all cholesterol was bad now we have good yeah. cholesterol and bad cholesterol you know so yep. You know, the, the authority figures, the truth creators, um, you know, they change the truth every so often. Oh, it's like, oh, look, it's been, it's been 17 and years, 18 years almost. Uh, let's change what the truth is. You know, let's, yeah. like, let's, shift, I, I, let's shift it again. Like the truth doesn't yeah. change, right? It's, <laughs> you know, so um, circumstances change and the environment changes. So there's like, but, but there's, there's certain things that like just, we don't have it figured out and we need to admit that like we have a very limited understanding is as silly as it sounds and as, as much as we can do in you know with reconnecting limbs and things 
we have a very limited understanding of what the body does. We're not mm -hmm. even close to, I mean, the body is so farther capable than, you know, the, the, the brain is just what, how it can function, how, how, how do we make music? you know, Beethoven, like how do we have this creative ability that's like so far beyond our comprehension, we don't understand it. We don't know what the appendix does. You know, we, we're, we're trying to like, we're trying to figure out, will we ever get there? I doubt it. You know, we want to, well, what we'll break the cell down, atoms and molecules, break that down, quarks, break it down, break, I mean, you could take an inch and cut it in half forever. You know, it's like this idea that we're going to try and find the secret of life and be able to control everything. And how, how do you ever get there in an infinite world? This is like, this is a three-dimensional world, right? You, you can go, you can go that way forever and you go inward forever, you know? And, you know, so there's these, and, 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 and our life is limited, right? And, and so there's these um, certain amount of things that have worked for thousands, thousands of years since the beginning of recorded history of how to maintain good health. And, and so I, I like to stick with that. Like, I don't, I don't chase home runs. I don't chase miracle cures. Like I'm like the Warren Buffett of investing, you know, he's just like, you know, he's not chasing after a stock that's going to go through the roof. So I like, you know, exercise, diet, good sleeping habits, clean environment, like you, you know, sunshine, you need sunlight. You, the, when you stick with the basics and you can just like increase your health over time, that's the plan I'm on. That's the plan that I advocate to people. Same. I'd love to know, like, what your, some of your basic food staples are. Like, what are the foods uh, you're eating on a daily basis? I, I ended up transitioning to an all-raw food diet, so I eat all-raw food. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm like? omnivorous raw, not like a raw vegan or vegetarian, but yeah. omnivorous. So some of the staples in my diet, the biggest staple is probably raw meat. Like, last night I, I ate uh, two pounds of raw chicken for dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, and what do you say to people who are like raw chicken that'll kill you uh you i would love i would love i would love to bet them a lot of money that um i can feed raw chicken to people and we'll just be fine and i, I and we can do a double blind study or whatever it is so if you're watching this podcast and you would like to just make tons of money and you're so sure of what you know uh i'm i'm a gambling man you know, let's uh, put some money up. It, it could be 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever amount you feel you want to win. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then we'll see who ends up with the money at the, at the end of the, <laughs> at, the end so of, how, at the end of the bet. But is this like, well, here's, here's, okay. So here's uh we have a different standard of how we find the truth. And, and so we have, we have society, right? We have these different like areas of society. We have the court system, the medical system, you know, we have all these different systems of how, like in the medical system, we're trying to find the truth, right? In court, you try and find the truth, guilty or innocent, what happened, you know? And so we have these different um, strategies and a, a different bar, a different level of how, how we find the truth in, in, in different areas. So let's just talk about how we find the truth in court. Um, in court, you bring evidence in front of the jury and then you have that evidence, um, not just evidence, lots of different evidence in front of the jury. And then you have uh, skilled attorneys cross-examining that evidence you like, with like with like bullet fire. We're going to make sure that if there's anything in this evidence that, you know, might not, you know, look, you know, truthful, 
we're gonna we're gonna hammer it with as many questions as possible, and it's gonna be in front of 12 people. And if one of those people says, eh, I don't know, then it's not guilty, right? The jury's gotta be unanimous. So that's how we find truth in uh, in court. Now let's look at how we find truth in the medical profession, right? Um, let's just say you've got diarrhea, vomit, a rash on your skin, you got a fever, and you're running to the emergency room, right? What's going on with me, doctor? I don't like how I feel. I make this go away. And the doctor is going to maybe analyze your vomit or who knows what. And, and the doctor might say, dude, you got food poisoning. You were drinking raw milk yesterday. You got food poisoning. And then, uh, and then that diagnosis gets put in the books and it gets shipped off to the CDC. All right. And all right, and, and it's, it's the bacteria's fault. It was Salmonella, it was E. coli, um, Campylobacter, shame on them. You know, so we're, we're like, none of these bacteria, by the way, can even defend themselves, right? They're just like, <laughs> if, if they could talk, what would they say? So, so anyway, um, that's how foodborne illness is diagnosed. By the way, uh, I believe that foodborne illness is a marketing term that was created to control food. Because now food is dangerous because illness can come from food, right? So it's foodborne illness. Um, side note, let's leave the side note. That's a side note. So here, so here we are, and, and, um, and that's how diagnosis happens. If you don't believe that, go to talk to any emergency room doctor. They'll tell you that's how they diagnose uh, food poisoning, things like that. So uh, what the, let's talk about what they're not doing, all right? If bacteria can speak, this is what bacteria, if you could put bacteria on the stand, this, this is what they would say. They would probably say, uh, don't just look at me. What, what, about, what, what about all this? Okay, so now you're living in this environment where you have other possible killers, right? Here's the crime scene. Bacteria is on the scene of the crime. It's guilty. No one really gets questioned. It's there. So that's the cause, and then you know you convict bacteria death. But you know what else is on the crime scene? A lot of heavy metals, a lot of poison, arsenic, toxicity, aluminum, mercury. You know, um, and no one in the emergency room that I ever know of um, says, you know what? Look at this rash. Look at this fever. Look at, you know, dude, you you got, you got the pollution flu. The pollution flu? Yeah, man, you got the pollution flu. It's like, do you see the semis driving down the road putting the black soot in the air? That's why you have this rash on your skin. That that's why you have a fever. Like doctors, none of the doctors diagnose the pollution flu, right? So, um, so when the doctor makes the the accusation and convicts bacteria is guilty, there's no cross examination to that, you know. So really, it's not even done. It's done by survey. It's not even scientific. So all these diagnoses of bacteria doing bad things. There's never been a double-blind study ever that, uh, which by the way, is supposed to be the scientific method, right? It's never been done against bacteria to prove the bacteria theory empirically. And so all the bacteria theory is based on survey and, and, and that's what is communicated to people and people are definitely afraid of bacteria. So um, if you, um, if you, uh, go to the emergency room with these symptoms and you say, I ate chicken last night or something like that, doctor might say, oh, it's probably undercooked. You probably had salmonella poisoning. These are the symptoms of salmonella poisoning because the computer tells me so, you know, and so this is what they are, you, you know, and then the person accepts that. 
So the person goes home and says, accepts it. So here I am on the podcast talking about eat raw chicken. And then, you know, one of the people are listening to say, no, 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 dude, I had salmonella poisoning four times. You can't tell me. I know I experienced it. And let me tell you something, brother. You were told you had salmonella poisoning. You had, you were told that, and I'm not here to debate that. Doctors told you that salmonella was out to get you and that Mm -hmm. salmonella took you down. But you know what? That doesn't make make it necessarily so. You know, so that that's what I would tell people that don't want to engage in a financial wager. Um, but but personally, I would I would like the financial wager better because I, I sure I yeah. So, but yeah, so so that's so that's how we find the truth in the emergency room. That's how we find the truth. Mm-hmm. It's doctor's best guess. No cross examination. No, let's look at all the evidence and. It's like the logic, when you analyze that logic, the only thing that can keep you from debating the logic is if you're in a state of irrational fear. Fear and love get us to do things that are totally irrational. You know, like you're in love with someone on the other side of the world. Dude, I'm going to get on a plane. I'll be there next weekend. Dude, are you kidding me? But it's totally rational when you're in love, right? You know, and so it's a fear and like strong emotions, right? Fear is another strong emotion that gets you to do things irrational. You know, so like, dude, I, I was scared of bacteria and it's just like a fear thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's why people buy into it. But if you think about it rationally, it's like if you're driving by a burning house and the house is on fire, right? Uh, and there's firefighters there. And you're like, dude, the firefighters are there. Dude, they must have caused the fire. Oh, well, I'm going to go about my day. Like when you're driving down the road and there's a dead deer on the side of the road and the crows are eating the carcass. Oh, the crows are there. They must have killed the deer. They're, they're the mm. fault. So, so that's the that's kind of like the logic. But no one really questions it because it's this fear and 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 bacteria. Like you can't see them. Like can you see the bacteria on my hand? They're probably there. But it's like it's like it's like the invisible enemy. Yeah. That it's just you know and and so there's a lot of fear involved so there's another competing like theory when i first heard the bacteria theory this guy was telling me oh that's the bacteria theory and i said what what do you mean what do you mean bacteria theory like those two words didn't even feel right to me when i first heard about this i'm like bacteria is not a theory this isn't a theory like it's he's like no it's actually a theory and he explained this whole thing to me right and he said there's this other theory called the environment theory you know or the the terrain theory meaning that bacteria are like the janitors of nature Mm -hmm. and that if there's degenerative sick cells that the bacteria are there to kind of digest decompose and you know and eat eat that tissue but they're not the cause of the degenerative tissue the cause of the degenerative tissue is from toxicity and pollution and and things like that that get you sick so what happens is we take all this pollution toxic poisons into our body um, and and then it compromises the health of our cells and then the bacteria come in to try and clean things up and so whenever we see a state of disease we see bacteria there on the crime scene and we assume that they caused you know the situation like saying like the firefighters caused the fire and maybe they do and maybe they don't but either way we don't know for sure and that's something that we need to kind of be more you know it's a theory 
yeah. we just need to be upfront and honest about it. So, uh, so in my experience, uh, I, I've eaten chicken for almost a couple of decades now, and it's very healthy. I've never gotten sick from it. I feel better. Uh, the people that I coach to eat this way, they feel better. I raised four children this way. They're all doing great, you know. So, um, if you want to, I, I, all I can do is speak from my experience, right? So I would tell someone, give this a try, get experience. Don't fall into the experts have agreed, authority figures have confirmed, studies show, like any of that language. Tell me about your experience. Don't tell me about what another person told you mm. happened to you. Like figure that out for yourself. I want to add some, some notes to the raw chicken. And, 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 I'm and, so curious to hear so, and I, I want to start by saying... Um, <laughs> Currently, in my current state, I don't desire raw chicken. Yeah. Now, secondly, um, Max, I went to culinary school before I went to business school, and I have a lot of experience <laughs> with food, but not in the sense that I've never experienced, at least not on a large scale, raw chicken. Yeah. So, um, third, I'm not gonna take you up on the bet because I don't know. I, I have a feeling I would lose that bet, and I don't. I don't. I, I can't afford a hundred thousand dollars right now. So, um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna hold on. Hold on to that. However, I do have some really interesting thoughts that were coming to my head as you were as you were talking. Uh, one is in culinary school, um, basically all meat is commonly accepted to be eaten at the point of being raw, aside from poultry. And I'm not. And, and there's no yeah. really good um, reason why, other than salmonella. That, that that's like basically the only that's the only thing that we talked about in school. So in school. That's true. Um, beef can be eaten raw, very, very commonly. Uh, very like commonly. Steak, steak tartare, beef carpaccio. Steak tartare, beef tartare, uh, carpaccios. Uh, we're talking about scallops. Uh, you know, eating eating them raw is very, very common. Eating fish raw again, Ceviche, extremely Ceviche. common. Did you read that book, The Raw Milk Revolution, Liz? I think you. I read it. Did you, no, did. did you read? There's a story about me in there. Did you remember that story? Oh, you're in that book. Yeah. Uh, now that you're saying that, now I feel like I am. I read it, but gosh, I don't know. You're I, I, I think I think this is the book by David Gumper. Yeah. He wrote a yeah, few books. He, one, he wrote in one of his books, I don't remember if it's that particular book, but one of his I think books, it is. he opens a chapter with, uh, so David and I are, we're eating, we're, we're, we're out on a date together, not like boyfriend's date but just as a friend date right we're mm. we're we're going to some activist rally on the east coast i don't remember what we're doing but anyway we're uh we're in virginia somewhere in virginia at a restaurant right and whenever i whenever i eat out at restaurants uh which is rare but it does happen i'm, I'm explaining hey can you serve this to me raw and i most of the time i'm accommodated so i'm in this restaurant mm. and we're looking at the menu in joel salatin's farm polyface farm right they it's, you know, they have a chicken dish, right? With yeah. meat from Polyface Farm. And I said, dude, and I, so I'm talking with the server and I said, will you, do will you bring me this dish? Will you, will you bring, but keep the chicken raw? And the server's like, you want the chicken raw? I said, yeah, man. I, I said, look, I'll sign a waiver, whatever you want. And then, so they actually did it. They, Are you in Stanton, Virginia? I, I don't remember where in Virginia, but anyway, Just... so they, they serve me raw chicken in the restaurant and they, they like, um, they put some lime, they squeezed some lime juice over it, and that was their version of ceviche or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but David David Gumper wrote about that in his book. And so. Um, That's so funny. That is hilarious. And, and I want to address this last I've one. I've been to that restaurant. I want to address the, the last one before, because there's going to be people out there that, that if they went to culinary school or if they were 
if, if they're Gen Xers or baby boomers, they're going to say, well, what about pork? People are going to get rocked by this. They're going to say, they're going to say, Joey, you're wrong. It's not commonly accepted to eat pork raw. That's what this was. It's just my own brain. I got to say this in, in the seventies um, and eighties and nineties, it was very inappropriate to serve inappropriate to serve pork pink uh pink yeah and what you've seen is now serving pork like a pork tenderloin or pork chop that is that is uh cooked to more of a medium medium get out of here very common oh wow yes so when i went through culinary school um it, it was like on the it was on the verge of adjusting and changing and so if it, uh, even at my own uh, uh company when we serve uh pork tenderloin i will often cook it to more of a medium and and serve it that way and uh, but 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 anyways, uh, Max, maybe you remember. I don't I don't I don't know. How uh, so you know, the bet stands good raw chicken and raw pork. The bet the bet's good if any if there are any pork, takers. Too? Raw pork, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the time where I'm just saying there's validity to his argument. I don't even want yeah. to say it on the podcast. And, and I don't want to eat raw chicken. I got a theory behind this. I I this is what I think. I think like years back we would kill an animal and eat it, right? Totally. Yeah. Right. And, and, and when we're eating it, the meat is warm. So mm. I, this is one of my theories on like, why, do, why, do, why is cooked food desirable? It's nice and warm, right? I think mm. like in a native environment, we're eating warm meat, you know? It's true. And um, so, but I, I don't know if it was, but fear is just, you know, like Steven, I think it was Steven Spielberg who came out with that movie Jaws. I, uh, so I, I, was, I was reading this article, I think it was Spielberg. I was reading this article when Jaws came out, like no one, no one wanted to go to the beach anymore, right? It's a, you know, it's, it's like a giant shark, the movie about a giant shark pillaging and eating everyone. And so it took, it took 15 years for the beach, the populations at beaches, it took 15 years for them to get back to what they were before that movie came out. Wow. So, I mean, there, it's like... Like with the pandemic, I mean, people are going to be wearing masks for 15 years. This is like, it's yeah. these things don't, um, when, when like sushi, that. when sushi first came to the United States, it took like 20 years for it to really be accepted. When it first came, it wasn't like, let's go out for sushi. Now, now almost everyone, I haven't really met anyone now that is, oh dude, I won't go near sushi. I'll get sick. Most people you yeah. know, are okay with that. But at the time when it came here, it was like this big, totally. you know, no one wants to be the first one out on the branch because it might collapse. Yeah, well, the fish thing, because you're saying when we eat land animals, they're warm, but I think cold water fish would be cold, right? Yeah, and we sure. do consume fish cold, so that kind of makes sense, you know? Well, they would be, when they're alive, the they're, flesh they're, would be they're, cold. their temperature would be up. You think? Yeah. I fish mean, are swimming in freezing cold water. You don't think they're cold? I guess I don't know cold? for sure. You might be yeah, right. Yeah, I think, I think butcher... fish, are, fish are cold-blooded. So okay. they don't maintain, they're not like warm blood, so they don't maintain body temperature. Probably why we enjoy eating them cold and raw. Yeah. Mm. I think that's like closer to sushi. Yeah, I don't that know. That's sense. my philosophy. That it's sense. probably 0% scientific. Anyways, the, the whole, <laughs> only reason I wanted to interject there was, um, uh, you know. Chicken's uh, the only one. Currently, that I'm aware of, the only one that's being, that, 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 that is um, like not accepted in the standard conventional industry and the world's come a long way True. right is is poultry well, so, so when i say that i'm saying like turkey chicken quail mm -hmm. pheasant I, I, i've rarely been served rarely i've never been served but duck duck is turkey. served raw duck is served raw but now duck again it's it's like is it because the meat is red who, like, who serves who why? serves raw duck well, well 
Medi- rare, I should oh, say. Rare. Very, very rare. Yeah. So raw on the inside. People call it a red meat, but it's a poultry. And, 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 and we're all fooling ourselves if we don't recognize the fact that, you know, if you're if the center of the meat that you're eating <laughs> is 129 <laughs> degrees, that that is not cooked. That is 129 degrees. And we all know that bacteria can grow and thrive in what is it 40 41 degrees to 141 degree temperature span and so bacteria is very alive and well on the inside of a medium rare steak a rare steak for sure medium rare to 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 rare duck a medium to medium rare uh piece of pork all of that is bacteria is 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 in there and it's thriving now now what what oftentimes especially a burger if you're having a a burger that was that was ground up so the bacteria is just kind of mixed together yeah and then, and then you sear the outsides. You have a medium rare burger. Very common these days. Yeah, yeah. You, you're you're talking about, and that's that's a situation where the argument of well, the bacteria that is dangerous is 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 airborne and clings to the outside of the meat. This is always what people yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you sear the outsides and you bring it up to temperature so that you kill the outside bacteria, but the inside is clean. It's sterile, and it's like well, burger. No. You, you're talking about something that was ground up, and and so anyways. Um, just for, for the record, currently not eating raw chicken, but uh, but but not um, raw chicken freaks me out. Are you eating it ground or like? Yeah, like you I, I, eat, I eat it both knife. ways. I usually don't eat it ground, but I eat it both ways. It doesn't really matter to me. But you know, and, and also for the record, I think someone could get healthy eating a cooked food diet. Okay. You know, it's I'm you know, but um, but I wanted to I want to be the healthiest version of myself that I could achieve. Mm-hmm. I, I empirically believe that a raw food diet is healthier than a cooked food diet, but just eating a cooked food diet of good, wholesome foods, uh, you're going to be way better than the fast food nation that we have in the world. Totally. You know, but I, I, I didn't want to go for average. I wanted to go above average because our standards are so low on what, mm-hmm. you know, what's considered good health. That's wild. Okay. So you, I love this and love how your story unfolds, but how in the world did you get a nationwide network of these farms like how how long was that process of building sort of this database for farm match oh uh well i've i've been at it for about 10 or 11 years now but um i'm i'm very well networked in the local food movement just because i've um you know art farm match is really my artwork as an activist you know, I, yeah. I became very active going to different events where a lot of times farmers would be harassed around the courtroom steps having a rally and things like that because they're not allowed to sell food to their neighbors because, you know, because uh, because the law says so, right? But, you know, I think um, where it's, I like Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he used to quote this old, um, uh, uh, I think in English Dante, I think was old uh, uh, Italian poet, and he 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 is accredited for saying like something about like, you know, the, like the the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in a state of moral crisis, maintain their neutrality. And that kind of and and uh, Dr. King would kind of re-translate uh, that into like, look, we're more, we're morally bound to follow just laws, and we're is equally morally bound to stand in defiance of unjust laws. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Muhammad Ali, when during the Vietnam draft, Muhammad Ali was like, "Take me to jail. I'm I'm not going to go shoot people. I'm not going to do it." You know, and so you know, and you have you know Rosa Parks with like. 
a lot of our country, and not just our country, but the world, was is built on people saying, "No, this isn't right. I'm not going to do this. You can't force me," you know. And and so, uh, so there's a lot of that in my history in the food movement, helping out these farmers and helping food people get access to the healthy food that they want and need. Um, and so I'm just really well networked. You know, I, I know a lot of people in the, the food movement that, and 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 we're, and we're not even saying you know like eat we're forced you to eat this way we just want the opportunity to eat this way you know if, if someone else wants to eat you know whatever they want to eat we're not going to tell them not to you know um i i would like for people to eat healthy but i'm not going to make it my responsibility to tell you what to put in your mouth but i expect mm -hmm. the same mutual respect from you know from you or you know so i so that's like a political ideology i don't think there's a there's a good reason to have um, that I've ever heard a good reason to have a country that is not that way. A lot of the people that are eating, um, that want to eat local food and buy raw milk from local farms. I mean, a lot of these people are professionals, well-respected professionals in society. Some of them, some of them are medical doctors. Uh, some of them are judges. Some of them are attorneys. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are construction workers. Some of them are librarians, you know. And so, um, you know, there's there's a time when homeschooling was not legal. And how did homeschooling get legalized? Well, people had to go through the fire, you know. There had to be fighting, there had to be court dates. Or, you know, I wish the world isn't that way, but it, it, it almost seems like that's the kind of way the way world is. If you want to kind of purify and create something better, you know, it's almost like, you know, there has to be a martyr or something like that. It's weird. Yeah. And, but I mean, I, I think there's an important place for uh, peaceful non-compliance, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us about, for those who are listening who might not have seen some of the um, political structure in action, like what is the biggest hurdle for folks trying to sell food because there's like particular laws where it's like hey if i want to make this food and serve it to people i have friends in canada who have dairy cows who literally told me if their friends come over for dinner they are not allowed to serve their friends raw milk yeah. like they could get in trouble for just serving it so in the states here what are some examples of some of the political landscape around this local food movement that makes it hard for these producers to serve their community uh, well, the, the biggest hurdle is the, the, our internal fear of not standing up against um, the oppression. That's the biggest hurdle. The second biggest hurdle is the farmer being left on their own and not being supported with the customers where the customers are going to say, like, I'm going to bind arms with the farmer. And if you take the farmer to jail, you're taking me to jail, too. So the biggest hurdle is the internal fear. The next biggest hurdle is the um, the lack of willingness to go to jail together and to stand united together uh, in a peaceful way. And why would why would farmers get sent to jail? <laughs> well, farmers get sent to jail if if they're breaking the law. You know, farmers have been prosecuted criminally. Um, and it, you know, if the law says you can't sell food, if you can't sell raw milk, and that's and they're doing it, then they get prosecuted criminally, and then you go to jail, or or they take all of your property. You know, they take yeah. all of your milking equipment. They you know basically steal your property, steal your money, and so so this happens. 
armed armed SWAT teams come in and raid farms at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of documented case of that. Uh, Kristen Canty made a movie called Farmageddon all about it. Um, and so um, it's, it's... There was the, the Miller case recently with the chicken production, right? Do you remember this? It was... Uh, in, in Pennsylvania? Miller... Yeah, maybe. Like a year ago-ish? I, I think that's about beef production, unless it's a different oh, case. Oh, it it's beef? a different case. Yeah, but there's, there's Amos Miller in Pennsylvania who... Yeah. Um, you know, he wants to process meat on his farm and they're saying, you know, you can't, yes. you can't process meat on the farm and his customer and he's, he's, no one's ever gotten sick and he's probably been doing this for 20 years and his customers want him to do it. This is what people want. He's not forcing this down, uh, someone's throat. He's not lying and deceiving and say, Hey, I'm doing it the way the government wants me to. He isn't, he's, he's purposely processing meat without chemicals on his farm, because that's what his customers are saying. Please, please do it this way. I don't want to buy the food from the store. I want to buy it from you. I want it the way you do it. And then yeah. here we have, again, people who are smart enough to sit on jury and convict someone to death, but they're not smart enough to say, this is the way I want my food processed. Mm. You know, so it's just another... <laughs> Yeah, it's almost it's almost laughable. I mean, there's a big sad part to it. It's a, it's a travesty, but it's almost laughable. Like how do how do we get to this point where mm -hmm. we're we're so uh, untrusted to be able to make decisions for ourselves? I mean, I can go rock climbing and uh, be hanging on the edge of a mountain and uh, you know put the video on YouTube and get 20 million views, and everyone's gonna be like, "Wow, look at that guy!" You know, I can go skydiving, right? Jumping out of an airplane, like, but. You know, I, I can't say, hey, Amos, like, I, I want this meat, you know, without chemicals, you know, please yeah. process it. I want it fresh as possible right from you, you know, so it's just, there, it, this, it's not logical. There's no logical debate there. It's it's an irrational fear-based debate is why um, farmers are getting prosecuted. And, and let, let the market decide. Like, if Amos is getting a bunch of people sick, then shut him down, right? right? But let he's not. He's, he's not. I don't think in 20 years, I don't think there's a single case of um, anyone got sick from him. One time, I, I gave milk to, here's, here's a story. I gave milk to the, this lady one time, and then she called me like a couple days later, and she said, dude, I've been up all morning vomiting. The milk got me sick, and I thought, oh, my goodness, here we go. And... And so I've got uh, a lot of doctors in my network, right? And so I thought she was going to like call the feds or something like that. And so I said, here, like, let me, let me connect you with one of my doctors. I'll pay for the consultation. Let, you know, let's see what you know, I did. I want to make sure you're okay. You know, I didn't think it had anything to do with the milk because a hundred people drank the milk. Everyone was fine. She was the only one yeah. who was waking up vomiting the next day. So anyway, uh, doctor gives her a consultation, talks with her. Doctor calls me back. Doctor says, Max, everything's fine. I'm like, woo. You're like, what happened? And he said, dude, she was out all night drinking. Dude, she never told me that. So here's a human being, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying to make a, I'm trying to make a case for how smart people are, right? And... <laughs> this isn't helping. <laughs> but, but, no, but look, she's, she's highly intelligent, right? But she, she believes what she believes because of all the marketing and messaging and saying raw milk bad, raw milk bad, right? And so anyway, so here's a human being that went out on an all night drinking binge, 
Like, has anyone who's listening ever done that? Have you ever been hung over, vomiting in the morning? This is what, if you haven't, so you know, this is what happens when you're out drinking all night. You wake up and vomit. It's called being hung over, right? So she's hung over, vomiting the next day. And she blamed it on the milk that she had because she drank some milk. You know what I mean? But so this is like the paradigm we're up against where highly intelligent adult creatures have been so uh, conditioned to believe that milk is like, you know, fresh, fresh milk from the farm is so dangerous that that that's the, the first scapegoat. It's like the go to scapegoat. If you go to the uh, if you go to the, the ER and <laughs> tell the doc, I mean, don't tell the doctor you're drinking. But if you're like, I mean, do I have some raw milk yesterday? I don't feel good. Immediately, they're going to blame it on the milk. Oh, immediately. Immediately. Yeah. So um, least... that happened. Yeah. To family member with, with raw oysters. Remember? I mean, I mean, if you, if you rolled in and said I had raw chicken, it would be like game they, over. They, game they, over. That scene in monsters Inc. Like the code five Oh one or whatever. Yeah, He's got yeah. the sock on his back. They'd be freaking out. They'd be like hazmat suits running in like hey, raw chicken. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, Dude, maybe, it would maybe, be... maybe you should make a video, a YouTuber, a comedy one like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought of like something like that. Like you got like we have a SWAT team like kicking in the door, right? And then there's like this crazy rave drug party going on, and people are like just doing all kinds of drugs, shooting up, and they're, they're and like, like bring a thermometer like, coming through, and they're like walking through the room where all this like this crazy madness is going on, and they like make their way into the kitchen, open the fridge, and like get the milk, and then like find the guy in the bedroom and like arrest him and lock him up or something like that. He's so funny. It, it is true. Like, it's just such a weird thing that like we consume raw dairy on a regular basis. And it was the foundational gateway into real food. We actually started making raw milk formula for our infants. And like, I, I would have never, ever said that to my old pediatrician you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i later found a doctor who was like raw milk that's amazing yeah. go for it but like it is this weird thing that's why humans are so scared it's because we're like there there's a real message around um like just questioning all of the natural substances and putting all your faith in something that has maybe been tested but is is not natural mm -hmm. or is processed in a way that changes its composition and it's a real it, exactly how you mentioned in the beginning of the show how you had to like pick up your life and replant it in this new paradigm yeah. it's 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 a painful process yeah. to do it's because people don't like change people fear no. there, there's a great book uh, written by susan jeffers it's called um feel the fear and do it anyway she wrote another book about fear. She ended up passing away of cancer, but she wrote a lot of good books on fear. And in the one book, she opens the book. This is how she opens the book. We, uh, we fear change. We fear staying stuck. We fear endings. We fear beginnings. We fear living. We fear dying. And then she talks about how the whole culture is just like prone with fear. And if you think about it, um, and she, she goes back when she was younger and tells a story when she's younger, how her mom was telling her like, you know, be careful. She's leaving. Bye mom. Love you. She's going out the front door. Like, and her mom is okay. You know, be safe, be safe, you know, safe, safe, safe. You know? And she, she said like, she heard be careful, be careful, you know, so be careful so many times. She's surprised that she ever, she said, I'm surprised I ever made it out the front door. You know, it's like, and, and just listen to people's language, like after going forward in your life. 
listen to people's language how time how many times it's like okay be careful okay be careful okay be careful it's like you know it's like these impressions we get as opposed to like all right love you have a great day take some calculated risks see what you can learn today you know like where there's no take some calculated calculated risks and see what you can learn today you know i on the playground i started saying to our little little kids instead of like oh be careful i started saying do you feel confident do you feel confident? And then they'll be like, yes. And I'm like, all right, go for it. Continue. I, I got I to pull this up. I don't know. I'm going to, can I email you? I got, I got a picture. Let's keep talking, but I want to, can we bring a picture into the yeah. still picture yeah. podcast? All right. I want to show, most people haven't seen this. I want you to see what a playground looked like about 70 or 80. Oh, I can't playground wait to see. Playground from the I, 1930s. I about that all the time. I'm I was like... just thinking about the fear, some of the common fears that we see today in and it has a lot to do with, and I'm calling it like digestion, and like I get an upset stomach, Ooh. or, and like gluten is a is a fear now, mm-hmm. right? It's everyone's scared of gluten, and then we've got a fear of dairy, for sure, and we've got a fear of of meat. Like these are like the main kind of mm-hmm. like culprits of fat. today, fat, right? It's like there's fat in this, like fat, right? It's like I'm it's terrified, and it, I can't, as a chef and as as someone that's been growing up hunting. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit still in the, in the most appropriate way possible stuck on the raw chicken thing. So I'm, I'm going to stay there for a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm staying there for a little bit longer and for, for all good reasons, all good reasons, I think at least. Digestion for, for milk, right? A pasteurized milk. I personally actually will get an upset stomach if I drink conventional dairy. Or mm-hmm. if, I, if I go, again, if I go out to eat, which is we don't, we don't go out very often. But, but we definitely do. But we definitely do. And um, th- there are some occasions where I'll be out and about, whether it's with um, uh, for for business or for for with family, and like Chipotle sometimes comes up as an option. If I get the sour cream and cheese from that place, it rocks my stomach. Can't even begin uh, to explain yeah. how how much that rocks my stomach. I do not get it, and everyone's like, "You don't get sour cream or cheese on your on your on your burritos?" Like, dude, Chipotle always hurts my stomach. And I now I wonder if that's I why. can't mess with that stuff like that, and. And everyone's like, well, maybe you have a dairy uh, intolerance. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like I, I have a pasteurized dairy intolerance. <laughs> yeah. But if, if I had, I, uh, this morning, in most mornings, I'll have, uh, I'll add some protein supplements, uh, whether it's collagen powder or protein powder, but to uh, raw milk after a workout or a run. And I'll drink like a quart yeah. of raw milk. You feel great. Great. Out- outstanding. I feel so good. No, no raw, no like, no digestion issues. No, I don't get like gassy. I don't, I don't, I don't none of that. Praise. Right praise anyway <laughs> um the, the 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 thought that i have again on the raw meat thing is is um bacteria um, the question maybe i'm posing a question to to, to you two um and, and then max with you having more experience in this sure. when you cook protein um and if you cook all the bacteria out of it are those bacterias are they acting similar to the bacteria within dairy wherein they, they can help kind of pre-digest, yeah. you know, kind of digest the food as like, mm. you see I'm getting at? And then first of all, yeah, okay, I, I got you. So first of all, people should know when you cook the meat or the milk or whatever it is, you're still eating the bacteria. You're just eating dead carcasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's not like it evaporates and disintegrates and reappears mm-hmm. somewhere else. Uh, but yes, the, the what we're like, you know, the 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 um, thought leaders of the world are now coming for full circle and saying, oh, dude, do we actually need bacteria now? This is we need, you know, bacteria to help us digest. They now they're saying we're bacteria sapiens. 
that there are more bacteria cells uh -huh. Uh -huh. than human cells on this mass that we call yep. our body. You know, and so now bacteria are, are bacteria is responsible for cr uh, producing, creating these essential enzymes that we need to live. You know, so there's like there's so much undiscovered stuff that all of a sudden saying bacteria is bad. This is what the truth is. Mow it all down with machine gun fire is, you know, but the answer is yes. The same is true with meat as than milk. The bacteria helps digest the meat. There's um, there's a book called. Um, Enzyme Nutrition by Dr. Edward Howell. It's a good book. He doesn't go too much into the raw meat thing, but he talks about enzymes and how um, there, there's food enzymes uh, that come with the food that are all destroyed if you like heat the food over 106 degrees or something like that. And uh, there's digestive enzymes and then there's metabolic enzymes. Those are the three types of enzymes that we've discovered thus far. And there's probably another you know, million that we haven't discovered. You know, there's all these new things that we don't know about. We keep discovering, and then we change what the truth is, and then demand that to be the truth. And it's like so that's like the cycle of science, right? But uh, yeah, eating raw meat and having the bacteria on the meat helps you digest the uh, food. It was just a thought that I had. What about the protein? Because that's that's something we talk about with raw milk. When is the protein more intact? It mutates the protein. It makes it harder to digest. And so if you look at let's look at the like scale. Uh, let's look at the extremes, right? All right, so the raw, the raw extreme and the cooked extreme. So the raw extreme is like a shark. Like this creature is coming and biting a hunk out of you while you're still alive, right? Or an owl will eat a mouse while the mouse is alive. And go, you, know, you don't get more raw than that, right? So that's the extreme raw. And then the extreme cooked would be, all right, we're going to take this meat and put it in an incinerator like a crematorium. We're going to turn it into a pile of ashes, right? And you're going to eat now eat the ashes. Well, I don't have to do the double-blind study that I believe that if a person eats ashes every day at every meal over time, that they're going to die pretty quickly. All right, so we're going to go on that assumption. We're not going to say we need to prove that. We're just going to walk with that in this conversation forward. So the question is, okay, so there's the spectrum. Where, where on the spectrum is food healthiest to eat? Like at what point do you say, you know, the protein's damaged, it got overcooked? Like it, what, where's the magic number? We agree that, we agree that the, everyone agrees, right? We all agree that the ashes, the protein's damaged, it's not going to regenerate, facilitate regeneration of healthy uh, tissue in your body. And so, so I think the farther you go in that direction, the more it gets damaged, you know? Which there's been a lot, like I'd say the last two to five years, like, and I'm guilty of this because I like a good char, but it's like grilling your food and you get that char. It tastes, That's good, right? it tastes good, but there's like a carcinogenic yeah. property in that burntness, right? That's why people on the GAPS diet can only eat meat that's like simmered in broth. Yeah. Like you can't eat like, um, because you're like so compromised on your gut, right? And so you're eating really easily digestible foods. So that makes sense. Like, and I, and I've heard that before, like eat your meat as rare as possible for intact protein quality, because the more you cook it, the more it, it denatures it, which it makes sense. But again, it's just, it's a little hard to like wrap my head around. We're talking about palatability and what we're used to, right? 
I, I'll eat raw beef. That's fine. Yeah, it's it's there's 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 a lot of Max is like. Oh, and you guys, you guys asked me what I eat, so I think that's how we got on this conversation. I love no, that we this covered is, this. This is so, and I think I think we're I think this digestion thing has always been something that people, anyone I talk to, which you've experienced firsthand. Your yeah, body couldn't digest anything. You're looking for thing. You're looking to extract. you maximize nutrients. Yeah. From what you eat, right? And if and you, energy, exactly. So, and, and if you take, and I think dairy is the easiest one for me to wrap my head around because I've got the experience. This is what Max is saying. It's like, listen, you've not had raw chicken. I haven't, I haven't had, it. I don't got the experience, but I do have experience with, with dairy, yeah. right? So I've had conventional dairy, whether it's from Chipotle or from like a jug from Kroger. Think about it. Raw eggs too. Like we consume raw eggs all the time. Yeah. And, we and, consume a lot of, and dairy is actually the most sensitive out of all the foods. Um, dairy was never meant to be exposed to sunlight. It was never meant to be exposed to temperature change. It was meant to be suckled from 98.6 degrees into 98.6 degrees, you know? Mm -hmm. And so dairy is very sensitive. So if, if someone is, uh, if someone's listening and they're even having a hard time tolerating raw dairy, I would recommend going direct to the farm and getting raw dairy out of the mammal and drinking it while it's still warm right there. Don't even refrigerate it. Try it while it's warm, and because some people are really compromised, they have to go to these like extra, extra measures. If that doesn't work, try nursing on the, hey, suck on the goat, man. Sally Fallon told in a talk one time I heard her say, if you swab your saliva on a goat's like teat or a cow, like I think it takes like one hour for them to start producing a nutrient makeup that's like ideal for you. That's how freaking intelligent that relationship is. Yeah. Like, that's why that nursing relationship. That's crazy. I mean, it happens with babies. Like, that's why breastfeeding is so incredible. But, yeah, it takes, like, an hour for, for the their milk production or something like that. Yeah, and, and if, if, if you want to talk about what studies show, uh, studies show that babies that breastfeed have higher IQs. Yeah. There's, a, there's a study that. show for you. I, I emailed you this um, picture. Is, is there a way to pull it up? Or Oh, can we pull that up? We might have to add it in the show. Yeah, add, add it in later, but yeah, check check that out when you see it. This is what a, a I think there's a, a playground from the 1930s. You'd have to log into my thing. Um, I can't wait to see. I I, I I I think I have an option to share my screen. You want? Me? You do. Yeah, do Go that. ahead and share. Right, let's see. This is share screen. Huh. This is for the YouTube viewers only, by the way. YouTube. So this is... hit us up on YouTube. <laughs> You're going to see Who's some serious. Sure. Select a screen before I share. Huh. Probably just has you do a tab or something. Yeah. Hold on. Window. Yeah. Bang. Bang. Do you see it? Oh, it's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. Oh, oh my, my word. <laughs> okay, so this thing is like 20 feet in the air. I know, this is a playground from the 1930s. <laughs> it looks like like a swing set with the swings taken off. For sure, just dirt on the and ground. And extension ladders just propped to the side of it. That's the swing. That's like, that's the playground. Dude, look at, look at that. Look at the, do you see this guy right here sitting in the middle? Like, how did that guy yeah. get there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he had to like shimmy across the bars and then there are swings cuz that one kid with his feet in the air are, is swinging. Yeah, yeah. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, th this guy right here, there's like, another guy here. It's so tall there's a dude on a bicycle underneath the guys swinging on yeah. the bars. Yeah, look at this guy on the ladder doing an inverted crawl up. 
he and knows he looks what's like up. he's like seven. Like he's these are young kids. This is what I'm saying. This is why at the playground now I don't say be careful. I say do you feel confident? And then their their answer is no. You bet. I'm right there. And I will say there are situations where I will step in. Right. Like I don't let my kids play in traffic. Yeah. But like I don't. The, the thing I'm very very I want to instill fear in on a certain level is is water. So like I don't want my kids just like meander near water. And I, I make that clear. But like. The playground yeah. is a different space, but yeah, like or the woods, the playground. It's like, hey, go, yeah, go explore. Yeah, climb the tree. If your if your tiny physical body can get you high enough, you probably can get you low. And like, I just I don't think our capabilities are gonna completely outweigh. Although mm-hmm. sometimes you can get too high, Slowly. but in the for the most part, I'm like, it's a good match. But that thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. yeah, That's you're welcome. Great. Yeah, it's it's just an example of. You know what, especially in, in the modern world, I think we're just, we're like over safe. You know, we're just, oh, I just like, and, and, but I, I, I think safety makes sense, you know, but for me, eating cooked food isn't safe, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it's definitely less safe than raw food, you know, because, yeah. and even if you're, again, a question I get a lot is, dude, well, if you're going to eat raw meat, you, you better know where it comes from. Dude, I want to know where my meat comes from, whether I eat it raw or not. Yeah. Like if, if I get some meat from this, this big factory Walmart meat or whatever, that doesn't change the fact that the animal is injected with who knows what. That doesn't mm-hmm. change yeah, the fact that point. the animal was abused. That doesn't change the fact and then like fill in the blank. You know what I mean? Right. So um, that, that's what I say to people for anyone who's like, you better know where your meat comes from. I know where your food comes from regardless. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're going to be educated. Nowadays, we know how to like send texts and do all this, you know, type you know we can drive car like all these different things but we don't know much about when it when it comes to our food and that and that and that's something that got advertised into society you know that isn't a natural state of living um i I think a lot of it came in the industrialization of industrialization of food when like convenience became convenience started really getting marketed heavily with like you know, whenever you make a cake, it was always from scratch, right? Eggs, flour, you're, you know, you're making this whole thing. And then they came up with like, dude, here's the cake mix. Just add water, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're like putting some like happy housewife on the TV. Oh, I've got so much time. Look at this. This only, ooh, look, you know, it yeah. takes a minute or whatever. And they just start, they like, all that messaging came into, uh, into society. And the messaging is like, Dude, it, it like spending a lot of time in the kitchen is an unhappy life. Yeah. Taking time to prepare food is an unhappy life. A happy life is instant food, you know. And so that like that's a total mentality. Like, look, you you obviously you went to chef school or whatever, right? You like spending time in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm, so, but but for the majority of society, the messaging that's being you know that is like put into people is that that. You know, food should be fast. Otherwise, it's like unjust. And fast, cheap, and easy. Yeah, well, it's been commoditized. It's been commoditized. It's saying like nourishing yourself is purely just like a a commodity. You you should you should nourishing yourself. I'm saying that with air quotes. You should you should just be able to go through a drive-through, get your get your you know food, and then continue doing what you're doing because having to think about it, shop for it cook it whatever else is um effort that that man you're a real chump if you're doing yeah. that and yeah. here's the thing that here's the thing that makes me mad 
is that anyone calling for the opposite of that, which is exactly what I often am championing people along, like get in your kitchens, cook. It doesn't have to be super hard. You can do it. The feedback I get from the haters is like, (laughs) well, how dare you suggest that people have the ability to cook their own food? Sometimes all they can get is a bag of Cheetos. And I'm like, listen, I understand food deserts and food desertification and scarcity of resources is real but do not believe the overarching lie that the american society no longer has a place in the kitchen that's a lie Mm. you can absolutely get connected to a local farm i'm always like farm match come on and then you know we're not even talking about affordability we're just talking about is your family or is your personal health worth it for you to spend time or your mental energy learning how to prepare food. Is it worth it to you? Yeah, yeah. And what and if yeah. there and and if we if there are these food deserts and there are these people in these tough situations and poverty situations and they don't even own a kitchen and how are the Cheetos getting into that environment in the first place? Dude, we're sending the Cheetos there. Let's yeah. not send the Cheetos. If they don't have a kitchen, let's ship them in like high quality dehydrated beef jerky. You know what I mean? Why, why, you know, so there's, there's always something that can be done. So I'm like with you hundred percent on that. There's like, there's a, there's no excuse for it. We have, we have the, uh, we have the resources, we have the land, we have the animals. There's no reason why, you know, we, healthy food should be like the, the rally cry for Mm -hmm. any government agency, the health department, the USDA, the FDA, it's not the rally cry. It's what you call it fast, quick, and easy, or what you... mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, convenient, cheap, and easy. Yeah, yeah. So, for people who are like, okay, I might not be in on the raw chicken, but I definitely want to have farm fresh food. Talk to us. Like, it's as simple as just going to farmmatch.com, truthfully. But, like, anything else that you, listeners or viewers might need to hear to get connected to their local farm. Because for us, our process that we went through is. We went to Farm Match. You type in your zip code. You get a list of farms depending on where you are. I think we have like five options in the greater Cincinnati area. And um, you pick one. You can kind of read through. There's like a web page of like what the farm is, who they, who they are, what they stand for type of deal. And then I went through and had to get connected with them because I'm part of a private membership association. They're not selling publicly. They're selling privately. So then I fill out paperwork one time seven years ago, almost eight years ago now. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm in. And now I use your platform, Farm Match, every week to order my stuff online. So it's beautiful. I don't have to, like, write a check to the farmer or anything. I, it's all automated for me. And um, I pay a really, really minimal. I think it's like $3.75 a month for the Farm Match thing to take care of it. So affordable. And um, that's all just build from the farm. And then we get access to amazing food that we get every single week. So much so that we're actually one of the drop points for our local farm. So for other people, probably looks different in their cities. Yeah. But they can go to farmmatch.com, type in their zip, and then what can they expect from there? Yeah, well, our, our goal is to connect people with local farms. We don't have farms in every area, but we do have farms that will actually ship. So if you're one of those people that... Um, you're you're in an area where we don't have farms. We do have some farms that will ship to you, and chances are most of the food you're getting in the grocery store is being shipped in anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the best situation is, I, I believe, local local food. So, 
Um, so they, they can go to FarmMatch, put their zip code in, find farms, read about the farms, connect with the farms, and buy from the farms. Buying from the farms is the most important thing, one of the most important things we can do while we're alive, all right? So we, we have our our food economy in the United States is a 1.8 trillion, T trillion, 1.8 trillion. I think if uh, it's 11 zeros, it's the number 18 with 11 zeros and, and there's and there's four commas. If you include if you include the zeros in the decimal point for cents, then it's 13 zeros. And so if we if you if you take just to give you like an idea how much uh, 1.8 trillion dollars is, and if you take one dollar bills and stack them up like you know like like a hundred dollars, what is that about like a half inch or something? Like yeah. That. Mm-hmm. All right. If you stack up 1.8 trillion and you keep going, your stack of money is going to be 17 times the diameter of planet Earth. No. Yeah, yeah. Do the math. That I, I, I came up with this data came from me. All right. I took five hundred dollars cash and I smashed it down and measured how tall it was. All right. So this data point came. I'm the source of this data, so I know it's true. It's seventeen times the diameter of planet Earth. That's how tall the money the stack of money is. That's how much we spend on food every year. It's how much we're going to spend this year in 2024. We're going to spend that 2025. Maybe we'll spend more in 2025. Maybe it'll be up to Two trillion dollars. Who knows? But, um, but when we um, when we buy food with each of our dollars, that's called a vote. All right. So a dollar is a vote. It's a ballot you cast. And if you don't know who you're voting for, you can check out your credit card statement or your checkbook, and it'll tell you exactly who you're voting for. Are and you want to ask yourself: Are you voting for? Because when you vote for local regenerative food, you're voting for a better world. You're voting for less crime. You're voting for uh, less pollution. You're voting for more memorable experiences with your loved ones. When you when you vote uh, in an industrialized, commercialized, uh, centralized, chemicalized food system, uh, you're voting for more crime. You're voting for more pollution. You're voting for humanity, the end of humanity. You're voting for all these un, uh, un, uh, undesirable things, whether you know it or not. So the, the first thing someone really needs to do is they need to make a mental shift. They need to like really understand that when they're spending money, they're supporting one of these two competing systems. And then they have to make another mental shift and realize that spending time in the kitchen and preparing food can be an, a great experience. It doesn't, you don't have to be in that experience. <sighs> You know, like we're being advertised, you know, it can be, it can be actually cool. It can be fun. It could be memorable. You can, you know, do it with other people and other family members and, and have build human connection around that experience, you know, have some dinner parties, invite friends over, you know, make a social event. Um, one of our uh, taglines with Farm Match is building community through food. So those are the, so that's the first thing that needs to be done is the mental shift. And the next thing from there is you, you take action, you know, whether it's go to farm match, whether it's go to uh, your local farmer's market, you know, and start sending your money to the food provider that's going to look out for you uh, and look out for your family's health, you know, and not just don't be a fair weather fan when the pandemic hit and the grocery stores shelves were empty. What happened was everyone like farm food sales like went through the roof and now that things are calmed down and people can walk outside again you don't have to be socially distanced and locked in your house 
now we're seeing farm food sales drop down a little bit you know so there's a lot of kind of like fair weather fans of we'll use the farms on in the state of crisis but uh but you know when when times are good we're gonna go through the drive-through again the problem with that is you can't just make food suddenly appear out of thin air so if you want to have that relationship with the farmer they can constantly provide food on a continuous basis you have to be on your side of the relationship you have to buy from them every week or every month or every you know however often that cycle is you buy from them don't just go to the farmer in a state of crisis you have to turn it into your lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah that's I super like that. awesome mm-hmm. that's and i'm i'm trying to do the math in my head i think we're sitting at like 30 percent of our monthly budget is on our local farm then we might have a m- smaller that might increase a little bit more in the summertime mm-hmm. but i would say our minimum just seasonally yeah yeah, yeah, so you're, you're doing a lot of voting. Doing a lot of voting. And, <laughs> I, and I'm like, how can, I'm thinking in my head, how can we increase that or what other... Well, that's not true. That's not true because that's not even taking into account our like bulk beef, beef purchase. Yeah. Because yeah. that would throw it because yeah. that's expensive. And, I mean, if you add in hunting. Yeah, that's expensive too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's, what, that's, what your, that's what your values are. You know, and we're, yeah. we're advertised into not valuing that. Yeah. And but those are good values to have because let's look at the benefit of those values. What, like, what do you get from those values? You get health. You you know, I mean, you can we can go down the list, right? So, it, it makes sense. That's where we should be putting our money. It's interesting that you kind of knew that on the spot. You must have, you must have like thought about that or or looked about that before. Like, how much do we spend on food? I remember one time. Uh, I, I did something similar and I, my, at the time I wasn't making a lot of money at the time, but at the time, um, our household gross household income gross 75% was going to our food, Mm. you know, and, and some of these people that I've interacted with my life, I mean, they're living, I personally would rather live in a cardboard box under a bridge eating like a King and driving the Bentley through the McDonald's drive through. All right. (laughs) That's me, right? But some of these people I've met over the years, I see like, you know, they're like dressed in rags. I mean, they got nothing. And they're like buying this high-end, you know, higher-priced food that is well worth the money, you know, but that's where they invest their resources. They're not playing the celebrity bling game that's marketed to everyone and... Um, and, and, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get rewarded. They are being rewarded for that. They're rewarded with better health. And how, how do you even put a price on your health anyway? Like how did it's you... one of the most valuable assets. Your health is, is, is it's, if, if you were to take the assets you have as a human being, right, you've got relationships, you've got health, you've got spirituality, you've got physical things. And I'm like, man, why is health getting thrown so far to the bottom? It's crazy. Why are we, why is working out? something that we do just to not be over like weight right like mm-hmm. hey hey work out so you don't so you're not you you're just moving your body even it's, just like not exercise it's like why, why are we not trying to just be the best we can it's, it's crazy just do it so you can carry your two-year-old for two miles like yeah. seriously if that's your only reason yeah. that's a great reason dude i, I love i love that joey i think i think that's the word that needs to get used more asset mm-hmm. you know i i've never heard i mean i've I talk about health investing, but I've never heard the term. Where, I mean, I know the, the term ha- asset is, but I've never 
heard someone explicitly say what like I like what you're saying is mm-hmm. that dude it's an asset it truly is you know it truly is because it uh, otherwise what are you in the hospital bed and everyone's got to wait on you and you're good to no one but you got a pile of money in the bank or you've got a nice house or nice it, it's I, I um I was on a, I was on a run and um I was running I was running a marathon and my buddies I had a, I had a, I had a headphone in so I could hear messages that my friends and family and whatnot would send me to, to, to either I told them you can either um, uh, send me like insults or you know affirmations both are both are motivating right <laughs> and and so so some people were sending me things like you're you know I can't believe you're doing this you're an idiot right like <laughs> you paid to suffer good luck that kind of stuff yeah. right and and a buddy of mine and he's he's always just He's next level words. wisdom. Yeah. Um, he texts me. He's like, man, he's like, Joey, proud of you, proud of what you're doing. And all the investment you put in to your physical health and, and the asset uh, that, 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 that your, your, um, your current physical capability has become, f- become for you. He's like, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Right now, you're at that peak and you get to use that. And so I'm on this run. I'm like, that is crazy when you think about it. Run, you know, nutrition, you know, not, not drinking alcohol, not drinking soda, not, not overdoing all these things that I did, these sacrifices I made for a goal. I had an objective. I wanted to perform well. Right. And I'm on this run. I thought about that. I'm like, I have been investing so much energy, effort, time, money to get to this place physically where I can do this thing. That's not Hmm. normal. Right. And, and I look at that and there's so many other objectives and goals we can have as people that's not just run a marathon. Mm-hmm. I, I would actually say running a marathon is great from a learning perspective, but it's I, not I, for everyone. It's not for, it's definitely not for everybody. You know, d- you don't need to go out and run a marathon to, to recognize where being healthy can, Hey, when I'm a grandparent, I want to be able to take my kids out uh, hunting. I want to yes. be able to drag deer out of the woods. I want to be able to load them up into the truck. I want to be able to hoist up in the air. I want to be able to work in the farm, be on my hands and like, I cut down the Christmas tree, these yeah. sorts of things that I want to be able to do. And it was something that Max was talking about early on. And so, um, anyways, I, I think, I think I have a lot to learn, a lot to learn from you, Max, but that, that, that was kind of my, my insight definitely didn't come from me. So I got, I got to give credit to my, to my, to my buddy, Luke, but Dude, uh, I, I, I like, I like what you're talking about, about running. I think, I think something everyone, it'd be good for everyone to get to the, the ability, not maybe like to run a marathon. Right. But like, to be able to run on the spot, mm-hmm. like at any given moment, you could just start running. Dude, I was at my farm, right, and I was I was interviewing this one chick to hire her, and uh, so we're, we're well, I got a 200 acre, uh, 211 acres in Wisconsin. Uh, and, oh wow. Um, so so we're like at the one part of the farm where you can't get cell reception, and we're sitting and talking. Mm-hmm. She's like, dude, I I, I got this call. I, I need to make this call, and I'll. I'll and then, then we can, uh, you know, continue. I said, all right. So, dude, she, she can't get cell reception. She has to get cell reception out at the road, right? Dude, she just, like, starts booking it. And she, like, the, the chick sprints, like, 200 yards to the road, makes her call and sprints back. Like, like no big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of, like, why don't we, why is, you know, she can just run on the spot. You know, as opposed to, oh, I'll walk there, you know, I'll run, mm-hmm. like, eh. Like, she's, she just took off. She's got after Yeah. Her. And she got on a phone call. She was, like, talking. Yeah, she had to have had some breath at the end of that, right? Yeah. And, well, no, no, no. Hold on. She wasn't, 
she wasn't talking while she was running. She had to run to the road to take the phone call. Yeah, to get to get the reception to make the call. And then after she she talked while she was at the road, then she ran back. Yeah, but she was just you know I, I never saw that before. Like you, I was I would expect she'd walk out to the road or maybe get in her car and drive there. Totally right. And and she just she just started booking it, man. Like like yeah, no big deal. I'm just running there. <laughs> You're yeah. hired, right? <laughs> For me, it's like if you're born in a capable body, we should be honoring that freaking privilege of being born in a capable body and like use it. Mm-hmm. Use do, it. Do what you can with what you have, right? Because everyone's going to have different right. limitations and things they've got going on. Totally. So, you know, my, my grandfather was a quadriplegic. And, and he was. He did like workout workouts every every day. He, he was didn't lifting let himself out of his him. chair. Mm-hmm. He developed a mattress to sleep on his stomach. He never got a bed sore in his entire life. For 40 plus years, he years, was a quadriplegic. And like, he just, he... It's incredible. It was, it was that kind of tenacity and grit of, I want to do what I can with what I have. And he never was like, I'm just going to sit here and, 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 and... And he ate so well. He did. He didn't drink alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. He, he took care of himself. He really did. He was good. Uh, I have a funny story it's about incredible. the farm um, drop-off and how our, our vote... Farm yeah, how the vote has um, impacted our family. And Elizabeth, I actually haven't told you this. So this yeah, I'm uh, it, scared. So um, <laughs> you think I, you know I, someone? I'm a, Let's see here. What I'm I'm a I'm a suburban dad. So so here, here we go. Honesty, you're sue me, right? Um, Elizabeth was on a vacation, so I had the kids. And one night, I door dashed food. Okay. We dun dun dun. And and uh, what, what do you what's door dash food? What is that? It's like a uh, mobile delivery system okay, where, right. where food gets dropped off at your okay, door. I, I love that you don't even know what DoorDash is, Max. And it 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 um it um Was think it think good? farm match but for fast food. Okay. <laughs> the worst. That's what that's what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> and um, our three year old, when the food got dropped off at the front door started dancing and jumping and yelling, the farm is here, the farm is here. Oh, man. Because she's so used to the farm order coming to our front door and we yeah. get all the, the food, the fresh food and the, and the, and the dairy and, and the kombucha and the, and, and, and the yogurt and such. And our DoorDash order came to the front door, right? Like in a plastic bag. And, and she started cheering that the, that the farm was here. That's hilarious. And um, she's like, Daddy, we got to go get the food. The farm's here. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to have like the farmers drop off the food at the drop points and then have like, you know, like <laughs> someone go there and make all the home deliveries from there or something like that. Well, anytime she sees like an Amazon-esque looking van down our street, even if it's not getting delivered to our house, she's like, farm order's here! Because our farm (laughs) order gets dropped off in this giant van. That's so good. And our kids are just like, and like all day, on Tuesday is our drop day, all day we've got people coming to the house just picking up their stuff. It's all like very... The impact on your kids though, right? They're going to grow up. They see it. They're going to grow up like I grew up. So hunting and processing my own meat was something that I grew up that was normal for me. So that was just normal. Yeah, not normal for me. It was, hey, we have a meat grinder. What do you mean you don't have a, you can't grind your own meat? It was like, that's what we do. Like, you you don't have a smoker? Like, how, how do you... How do you make your sausage? It was like th- yeah. this is how I grew up. Yeah, and then and then you know now my kids, next level. They're like yeah. you have all that, and when they move out someday, they're gonna be like, well, when I move somewhere, where's my farm gonna be? We just need to right. That's gonna be something that's in their head. That's yeah. gonna be normal to them. It's gonna be I gotta figure out where my farm is when I move out, and and I, well. 
maybe they'll like maybe we'll have a homestead and we'll they'll have they'll be like where's our dairy cow fair you yeah. know you that know, would be yeah. nice. you know when um when apple was uh when jobs and uh, wozniak uh, started apple that they had they actually had a third partner too because they, they needed a tiebreaker in case they couldn't agree on things um but anyway when they got going it's like the whole their whole premise was the future was that there was going to be personal computing in the future people were going to have what was called a personal computer so i was thinking like the future is like a personal farmer mm. you know, everyone like what you're saying like my children are going to be asking like when i move like where's my farmer going to i might get my farmer right yeah. so that i think that's gonna i think in a lot of ways that's the future is mm -hmm. People are going to be seeking their personal farmer. Yeah, which makes sense. You have someone for everything else. You're like, who who's cutting my hair? Me who's what's another example? Mechanic for your auto. Mechanic yeah, who's fixing car. my car? Your, account, your accountant. Your accounting. Yeah. Why don't? Yeah. Or you can be. And that's not to say like you can never brush your own hair or give yourself a trim or balance your checkbook but you have someone who's also helping you so you can also grow some of your own food and butcher it mm -hmm. but then you know you're not if you're producing everything i don't know anyone who produces everything on their own yeah. even people who have farms so to have someone who you can say this is yeah. the face behind who's putting the food on my table is really cool there's benefits to being in community right yeah there there, there used to be Max, there, um, years ago i used to collect and, I, I, and it's still like a hobby of mine i just don't drink anymore because I haven't been drinking. Uh, I used to collect Congratulations. Thank I, you. I, I don't drink either. I'm, I'm, I've committed to sobriety. I, I've, I used to collect bourbon, like, like historical bottles, um, hard to find bottles of bourbon. It was a very fun hobby. And um, I had a buddy that had a lot more time and resources to get these said bottles. Uh, but I, I hunted. And I used to always love the experience of like, I had taken a number of deer this year. And then him and I would meet up and I would give him like a cooler full of meat and he'd hand me like a couple bottles of bourbon. <laughs> but it was like, this was like this, this like arrangement we had where we could, we could trade back and forth. And then I had those bottles on these like interweb communities of people that I could use as currency. It was a whole thing. So anyways, here we are. It's your own little farm match these, right These there. communities of trading resources is, is, is always been enjoyable. Yeah, that's cool. And that's the piece I love about farm match too is like now I know the farmer. I know the people who run the like admin side of it. I know the people who come and pick up. I have conversations with them. It's just so cool. So even if it's not like even if you're like, okay, I only have 10% of my grocery budget to dedicate to my local farm, whatever number you're starting with. Just get in there for the connection. First of all, you're gonna feel like you're gonna realize the produce tastes way better. Mm. You're gonna realize raw milk changes your life. You're gonna realize we don't always get meat from our farm because we do hunt and we buy meat from other places locally, but it's it's a fantastic option. And they have things like kombucha, which I don't want to take the time to make, even though I know I can. Yeah, and you're not gonna make everything. You're not gonna make everything. Yeah, it's so, you're not gonna it's make so, it. so wonderful. Anyways, that's my plug. For farm match uh, we didn't even need to plug it we've been plugging we it didn't, for, yeah it, we've been talking about it it's, for years, it so. is it is definitely like one of the best ways if you're trying to figure out a way to it's get close get, get, get into a, a farm situation totally so. um so farmmatch.com is where they can find you where else can folks find you max um i just bought i recently bought my own domain name maxcane.com so if you go to maxcane.com sometime in um late june 
you'll probably catch my website there. Sweet. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I don't do much on Facebook. I've, I got a, I, I'm on YouTube. I make some YouTube videos. If anyone wants to see a cool YouTube video, I've got a, I, I talk about, um, I think it's like a two or three minute video about voting with your dollars and, you know, dollar bills and 17 times the diameter of planet earth. It's a, it's a really inspiring video. Um, yeah. and that's at Max Kane. Yeah. Just go to YouTube and, and search Max Kane. You'll find me. Okay. And then, and, uh, and if you're interested in raw meat, I got some raw meat videos on there. If you want to know more or, or if you're a hater and you just want to find something to complain about, you can watch, hey, <laughs> leave a comment either way. It doesn't matter to me. Like, you like, if you, if you want to like down talk me to everyone that that'd be, I would love that. Please do that. Like get my, get my name out there. It'd be... <laughs> and, uh, all press is good press. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you're, if you, I think. If you're if you're secure in what you do and you believe what you're doing and you know it's good a good cause then all press is good yeah. press like sure. if you're if you're robbing a bank and you're doing something you don't want to be caught about then <laughs> maybe all press is bad right because then you yeah. uh, and, unless you want to go to jail I don't know who knows there's like weird stuff going on but uh, but yeah for the most part all press is good press um, I, I I go out and speak a lot I'll be I'll be in uh, at, uh, pork fest next in uh, new hampshire probably in a couple weeks um i got an event in pennsylvania called family farm days i'll be at the um weston a. price conference in kansas city this year so Sweet. farm match uh, farm match sponsors a lot of these healthy food events uh, around the country so um if you ever want to meet in person i'd love to say hello so if you're listening just if you ever see a farm match booth at one of these uh, events call up and say hello that's cool. Yeah. And you guys are on Instagram too, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're on Instagram. Let's see, uh, Twitter. Uh, well, um, I'm I'm not TikTok. I'm I'm not familiar with all the social media platforms, but we're we're definitely spread. You're on. Well. Yeah. Cool. We'll link those below in the show notes as well. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Wonderful. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I feel like any interview, I'm like laughing, I'm feeling emotional. I'm just like, it's so dynamic, but I love it because we talked about so many different things, but all things that I feel so passionately mm. about. And I'm just, I loved hearing your story, Max. So thank you for sharing that yeah. and being vulnerable with us. And You're welcome, Liz. Get, and telling yeah. us. So, yeah. If you guys ever want to come out to the farm or something, I'll probably have an event later this fall. Uh, I'd love to have you guys out if you ever make you know, right. we're we're looking to do some traveling around the country pretty yeah. soon. If I can convince Joe of it. So hit us up because we'll probably begin to that. Yeah. There's a good chance. Yeah. Cool. Well thank you, Max. This has been so great and uh we look forward to chatting with you more. I'm sure we'll talk. Yeah, about likewise. This. All right, Joey, see you Liz. Have a great day. And with that, Max Kane has left the virtual chat. He has left the virtual chat. Yeah, that was so good. I always feel bad because when I give people a timestamp, like, the will be about this long, we always blow right past <sighs> it. Well, we were talking, and I was like, man, we've covered so much. We've already got to be 45 minutes in. And I looked down at the recording, and it was like 23 minutes. And I was like, this episode is jam-packed. Oh, yeah. Like, there was never, a, like, I just love there's some There's some audiobooks that I listen to on, like, like, like a higher speed. To get, get them done quicker. Don't right? listen to this one. I, I dial this one back, right? Like <laughs> go to go to the point seven five, like less than one percent, like the normal. Slow. Slow it down and uh, listen to it twice, because holy holy cow. Yeah, Max is just such a dynamic character. Um, I, yeah, Farm Match 
has been in our lives for seven, almost eight years now. Mm -hmm. So it's just really kind of, this is one of those full circle moments where I'm like pinching myself. Like this platform I've used for my family to give them, it's the only way I would have been connected to this farm to give them whole nourishing food virtually changed the course of our middle daughter's Mm -hmm. life. I would say Mm -hmm. that's how impactful this raw milk discovery was for our family. And we just got to sit down and have a two hour conversation with the literal founder and hear his story behind it. And I hope that folks listening, uh, like also if you've been on farm match, like this is super cool. But even if you've never heard of farm match, the stuff that Max shared was just so fantastic. So if you're not dating your food currently, (laughs) that's the only part of the episode. I was like, where are we going with this? Yeah. Um, you could do that. Yeah, you can get on Farm Match. Farmmatch.com. Check Max out. Check out his YouTube videos of him eating raw meat, I'm guessing. I can't. The raw meat thing is... Because I'm so happy you said that. Because you're like, listen, poultry is the only category of meat. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I wanted to bring it up because, man, it's so easy for someone to seem just like a Looney Tune uh-huh. for eating raw chicken. And... and we actually know people in our life who eat raw chicken. I do know some people that do it. So this isn't, it didn't like rock my world. Um, I did want to resonate with people though and say currently in my life, any, I eat raw chicken. It's just, it's, I, there's a textural thing for yeah, me. And, and, and if we really zoom out, it's like um, all creatures get used to a, a normal, like, like, like we get used to a, a normal sense of how things are. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like if you have a pet that's used to eating a certain kind of food and you give them a different one, they're going to react to that food differently, whether it's something that they've always wanted and they love it or it's different. They don't really like it that much. Right. Like, yeah. Um, anyways, I, um, um, not eating raw chicken just yet. Maybe, I don't know. Ah, you know, I'm not really interested right now <laughs> in it. I love Max to death and I, I, I believe him. And, and I think, I think there's a good chance I would be just fine if I ate raw chicken, I, but, I but like I'm not what, going to, but I like not right now at least. Same, but I like what he said about like for him. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, like his history, his 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 whole health journey. He had some way different realities to deal with than, that's than I do. That's key. And there's you know when we're talking about digestion and gut health and being able to extract nutrients to to maximize performance and also uh, recovery and healing and and nutrition and nourishment. It's like it's we're maximizing those sorts of things. We want to get the best results out of the investment we're making in the food that we're buying. And that's what he's on. He's on a mission to do. Right. Yeah. And we're, we're over here. We're still learning. When I went to culinary school, I was learning what they taught me. And at that time, right. You can eat beef raw. And if anyone's like, no, you can't. It's like, well, it's commonly understood that you can. Yeah. Hey, you can eat fish raw. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's commonly understood that you can. Shellfish. Even. You can eat shellfish raw. Scallops was surprising to me. Really? I, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, we eat raw oysters all the time. Raw oysters, oh, that's raw true. clams. That's true. We're, we're eating, we're eating, you know, you can eat raw, like shrimp. All this stuff is, is like good to go, right? And then, and then you look at, you look at, uh, you know, the temperatures that you eat different meats on a regular basis. You can go to a mass production restaurant and order beef cooked rare, right? Medium rare is like 129, like 133 degrees on the center, okay? That means that rare is, is less than that. And I don't have the specifics for me. Let's get let's guess 122 degrees. Okay. Let's guess 122 degrees would be the beef. That is like what 20 degrees more than what that or 23 degrees more, 24 degrees more than what that was 
when it was breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're not talking anything extreme. Yeah, there. you're right. You're right. We're not talking about anything extreme. So the inside of that meat is raw. I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, <laughs> All I can hear is Gordon Ramsay, but yeah. Raw. <laughs> Anyways, the, so the, 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 um, the reality is, is that a lot of the stuff we've been doing, um, chicken is this weird one that we haven't gotten there just yet. Because of the salmonella. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm pork, with you. Pork used to be that way. Yeah, I'm with you. You had to cook pork all the way through. And nowadays it's it's okay. Yeah, they changed their tune a bit. Anyways. Anyways. Find Max. Check him out. If you enjoyed this episode, you can look us up. We have things going on. Yeah. Um, you can comment on YouTube because we're on YouTube now. You can leave a review or rating of the podcast. Like Max, if it's if you want to send hate, you're welcome to. Yeah. If you want to. We actually had someone leave a comment on our YouTube um, with some audio visual suggestions. That was really helpful. So mm. we were like, great, we're going to get a better camera, which we haven't done yet. But um, like we're, we read those things and totally. we take them seriously and you know, we're what 71 episodes into this thing. We're, we're doing it. We're brand new. Like 71 seems like a milestone, but, um, we're, we're brand new. We're mm-hmm. in this for the long game. So please leave your comment, review, your rating, uh, however you want to express yourself. We're into it. We're welcoming that. And yeah, you can find us, um, in other avenues too. homegrowneducation.org. We now have all digital resources. Everything is available for $24. So meal plans for breakfast and for dinner, um, kids' nutritional resources, curriculum, coloring books. Like, it's all in there. If you need a little caffeine kick to be able to stick with a conversation like we just had. I did. I had one. I didn't have any caffeine yet. I finished. I finished my caffeine as we were talking. Yeah. And I I was enjoying the... Honduras. I'm on the Honduras lately. Yeah. And, and I go back and forth, that's for sure. But but we sell things for you to cast your vote. This is an empty bag. Well, we finished it. We did, yeah. That's true. Yeah, you can cast your vote with us. Cast your vote. About that. And we're going to continue working towards providing options for you to continue casting your vote well, mm-hmm. right? And... Man, farm match is an inspiration. Like that's kind of the stuff that we're working towards, right? So we want the farmers and people that are creating awesome products that are good for you and good for the environment, good for people, like the coffee that we sell. Yeah. Okay. So so there's a farmer behind that. There's a farmer behind this. I can't pronounce his name really well, except for his last name, Primavera. Um, doing great things in Brazil, uh, doing great things, Joel and Delmer in Honduras. They're making great coffee. They're doing shade grown, right? These are these are people that have little small operations. You can see photos on our website of what their little farm looks like, and yeah, this is specialty grade coffee. It's it's a different level than what you're gonna get at, at Starbucks or McDonald's or even in the Kroger aisle, right? You could, you could call this coffee a couple of different things. You could call it third wave. Third wave. What is that? Have you heard of third wave? No. All right, waves. Okay, let's talk about the waves. Different waves of coffee being introduced to society. Okay. So think of it like wave one, right? Like an attack almost is how I see it. Okay. But I'm you always go military. I All got right. to. So wave one would be um, you're, you're, you're having coffee at a diner, your uh, Folgers, your mass production of coffee. People want coffee now, right? Okay. Wave two. Wave two is, is um, now, now coffee is an experience. 
and we're going to roast it differently mm. and we're going to package it for sale. Maybe you buy whole bean, maybe it's French press. This yeah. is like your Starbucks, your Dunkin' Donuts, your your um Dude, your lattes, I used to buy the whole bean at Dunkin' your, Donuts. Your um your cappuccinos that are that are that are mass produced. And then there's wave 3. Mm-hmm. That's where we are today. That that is the highest wave currently. That is the most premium wave, right? <laughs> currently. <laughs> did you make all this up? No. This is legit. Where did you hear this? All over. What? Waves th- third wave third wave coffee. I've never please heard comment, of the waves. Please comment and 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 help me. So if you're watching or here listening to this, go tell Elizabeth or DM me cuz I get DMs all the time. Please and, tell and, me. And and say, "Yo, I've heard of third wave because I'm wave. sounding kind of crazy right now." No, oh, I like this term. But third wave coffee. I'm going to go is, update the website. You, yeah. It, it it is it is this now now we're really focusing less on only not just the experience of being in a shop and the lattes and the sugar and the and the and, 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 and the cream and all that. But now we're looking at how can we have the most premium quality bean with a very specific intentional roasting method mm. as opposed to mass production, burn all the beans, <sighs> send them all out, yeah. make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what this is. So this is a third wave coffee. This is a um, top of the top premium quality. You're going to open your bag of Hazelmeyer Goods coffee and the smell of it's going to rock your world. Yeah. It, it's not going to be like your Starbucks coffee. It's it's just, it is a different experience. Um, if you're looking to up your coffee game, right? The two things I recommend. One, you need better beans. Yeah. Or you need better coffee. So third wave coffee is just different. Number two, if you grind them yourself, getting a burr grinder, those are the top two things you can do to improve your coffee game. Yeah. Beyond that, we're getting into pour overs, espresso machines, that kind of stuff. And it starts to get a little... A little niche. A little niche. A little bit more hobby oriented. Yeah. However, coffee, I would say, and I'm stuck on this coffee thing just because I, I, I've been thinking about it, but just like we were talking about staying in the kitchen is like viewed as this... Well, look at the Keurig. The yeah. Keurig is, is a regression in the coffee world. Thank you for saying that because... I Regression. Agree. It is moving back to f- to wave one. I'll have people tell me they bought an espresso machine, and I'm seriously no hate to anyone who has also said this, but they'll be like, "I bought an espresso machine," and then they tell me it's like an an espresso or yeah. something, and I'm like, "So you're not like packing no thing and." We're taking some of the art out of it. It's and that's again, you like your coffee how you like your coffee. No judgment, but. Wave three coffee is very distinctly different than wave one. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hazelmeyergoods.com, shoptheh.com, both of those will get you there. And you can find things like coffee, tea. We got tea. A certified organic, certified fair trade tea, which is important in the tea industry. We also have large soap, which again, there's a farmer behind that. There's mm-hmm. a soap maker behind mm-hmm. that. Um, what else do we have? Sourdough kits, which there's a maker behind that. So check it out. We're making these proofing baskets. And I was over to, I was over at a friend's house with a group of people yesterday and a buddy was asking me like, Hey man, how's, how are things with the shop? And I was like, oh. I was like, man, it's so fun learning a lot, making mistakes, having wins, all, all of it. It's just, right. It's business. And he's like, well, what's, what would you, what, what would you say is, is the, the number one product you have right now? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, what do you think sells the best? And I was like, well, we have this really innovative proofing basket for sourdough bread. And it helps shape dough. This person isn't in the game, so they're not, they're not making sourdough. So I had to kind of explain it a little bit more to the best of my ability. And they said, well, why would I want that one? And I said, well, and then there was a person in the room that is making sourdough. Ooh. Right? 
And and she said, I have a Benetton right here and pulls it out of her pantry. I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks basically like this. I was like, except that, you know, um, it's all fabric and you could you can wash it and let it air dry if you like. I was like, and also it's naturally non-sticking because it's a fabric rather than being this this like kind of like wicker wood material. It doesn't splinter. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's not going to like get moldy. You don't have to like scrub it out with a brush. And and this lady's looking at me. She's like, wait a minute, you make something like that? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's all the pain points. And it, so if you're in the sourdough game, the proofing baskets that we're selling. I mean, and I'm almost. We, we've talked about this as a team and Hazemar Goods. Like, it's almost like we don't need to promote these. Right now, we can't produce enough of them. Mm-mm. I mean, we're talking like the lifespan of another production cycle of the proofing baskets has like a week. So, if you want a proofing basket and you're hearing this and you see them available for it sale, it takes a month to get our next order in. Yeah, you, you just, just, uh, we have max. They out will, they will sell out. They will sell out. So, yeah. so buy them and, and get them before they, they do. But, but if, if they do sell out, Reach out to us. Ask when the next shipment's coming. We'll, we'll we'll let you know. They're currently in stock as of this episode recording date. Not sure when we're releasing this episode, but they're currently in it, stock. Yeah, it's today is Friday the ninth. A quick tip though, if you do go to our website and see they're out of stock, just wait for the next month around like day five to ten. Yeah, mid, early early, month. early to mid month, and they'll be restocked. They'll be restocked, yeah. Because we're getting shipments every month, but our producer can only produce so much because these are handmade in the United States and all those things. Shoptheh.com, get yourself some. Cast your vote. Let's just start saying that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Shoptheh.com, cast your vote, and um, we're, we're trying to create a, a, a trustworthy, naturally minded, and focused shopping experience. So. That's what we got going on there. You can find Elizabeth and myself on Instagram so that you can tell us that you've heard of Third Wave Coffee. <laughs> I'm at Joey Hazelmeyer. Elizabeth or Liz is at Liz Hazelmeyer. We're at t- uh, uh, collectively and I guess majority Elizabeth. Yeah, you're not really on the account. but Homegrown underscore education. And until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>